Hello and welcome to Lore Dump, the show where we take somebody who hasn't played a game or game franchise and walk them through the full story. I am Monty Zander, I am your host today, and I'm joined by Chase. Hi! And Neil. Hello. Hello. Chase is the one that squawked, Neil's the one that said it normally. I didn't intend to squawk, just what, kind of came out that what, way. What, what is normal? Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, we are kicking off with Quantum Break. Um, first of all, I have a quick correction, I'm afraid, from our last episode. So if this is your first time listening, um, we have recently been jumping into the Remedyverse. So we have covered Alan Wake and the DLC and expansion, uh, American Nightmare. And uh, Great game. There were lots of Muse. Lots of Muse. Well... Plenty of Muse. <laughs> Oh, so oh, I did see these comments. <laughs> so first of all, I would lo- like to thank everybody who decided to back me up on my Muse hate. Muse is a bad band. Um, but <laughs> I did have some excellent comments which rightfully corrected me, saying that Muse was not the band that plays in America. So America. essentially what happened was you took about 10 minutes out of our schedule to complain <laughs> about Muse when it was... Utterly irrelevant. It was Kasabian the whole time. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, and um, I quite liked Kasabian, I guess. So I don't know why I have such hatred for the, the song that plays, uh, but... Uh, uh, Not but now, yeah. though. We don't listen to Kasabian anymore. Why? Lead singer, bad guy. Real bad guy. Out oh. of the band, real bad guy. Oh. Yeah. Well, no, no, no Kasabian, then. I don't know who they are to And I tell with. you who you never had a problem with that? Matt Bellamy of Muse. A wholly, seemingly un- unproblematic character. Just happens to believe that sort of aliens control the government. What? Yeah, yeah. Big kind of conspiracy, but like conspiracy guy in like an old fashioned fun early 2000s way, not in a like, uh, not in like a 2010s onward. Oh, uh, not like QAnon. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. They've they've, they've given conspiracy a He's like Twilight Zone conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we love it. So, So, as always, just want to say thank you very much for the comments that backed me up and the comments that rightfully corrected me. (laughs) Uh, Keep them coming. You know what we're like. We love our comments, especially the um actually ones, because they help with the engagement. And we want engagement. So, uh, today we're going to be covering Quantum Break. Uh, Chase. Who is this fine gentleman on the screen? This fine gentleman on the screen is Jack Joyce, the main character, played by Sean Ashmore. You might recognize his face or his name. I do recognize the face. I have no clue who that name is. This is Iceman from the X-Men films. Did you ever watch the X-Men films? Years ago. I don't like X-Men though. So That's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> that's what wow. he's best known for. I'm not sorry. Hey, One of those films is great. Two of those films are great. <laughs> I don't like most superhero films, to be yeah. fair. Can't wait to cover the Arkham games next year. <laughs> Spoilers! Um, so yeah, so today we're covering Quantum Break, which I'll give you a little bit of a, a history recap of Quantum Break in a sec, but I do want you to tell me anything you know about it, Chase, because I know you haven't played this. I know it's the one Remedy game that you're iffy on, and that's... It's pretty spot on, I'd say. That's, that's the that's only thing I know. <laughs> cool, great. Neil, what do you know? I, I know a little bit more, um, but I kind of don't want to say anything if, if Chase knows absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. No, um, I, I fully, I was familiar with this game's existence. I did not know it was part of the Remedyverse until you said we were doing it. I went, oh, okay. Because it maybe isn't, sort of, it all will become clear. I, I thought it was going to play into Quantum Break 2 and Control 2. There is no plans currently for a Quantum Break 2. 
This game did I, not do... I meant Alan Wake 2. <laughs> yeah. I, I did not mean Quantum Break 2. We will get into it. It might become relevant in the future. That's why I'm covering it. Also, the story is wild and it's just good fun. So I figured okay. we might as well cover Quantum Break. For now, I know that we are well into the Alan Wake stuff, but I need you to just forget about Alan Wake. <laughs> okay. Imagine we are starting fresh. He's in it. He's been eaten by a lake. He's down there. He's having a bad time. No, no, no. He was nommed by the lake. lake. (laughs) He's down there. You put him out of your mind. So let's let's wind back the clock, right? I'm going to give you a quick history lesson before we jump to the actual lore of it, because the the making of this game is arguably more interesting than the game itself. So, number one, 2010. Remedy released Alan Wake to critical acclaim, but it doesn't sell very well. Uh, They start working on a sequel. We talked about this in the American Nightmare game. But Sam Lake, the creative director, has been very open about the fact that they struggled to get it right. While Remedy are tinkering away and tweaking, Microsoft, who owned Remedy at the time, were busy focusing on a new console, the Xbox One. They didn't just want the Xbox One to be for games, they wanted it to become a multimedia device. Okay, so you might remember the Xbox reveal, 2013. Very, very bad reveal showcase, wasn't it? Very bad reveal showcase. Although... In the wake of, in the Alan wake of E3 getting cancelled, I missed big conference set pieces. Oh, oh. This will date the video, but just to give you some context on where we're at, folks, um, uh, E3's just been cancelled and Donald Trump's just been indicted. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a week of ups and downs. And the new episode of The Mandalorian came out and it wasn't very good. So, anyway. Oh, I did see your tweet. Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, the Mario movie is fantastic. Anyway, we're not, <laughs> we're not here to talk about that. Tangents. Um, The Xbox Showcase 2013. So this is the conference where Microsoft reveal the Xbox One for all to see. You might remember this being a bit of an infamous showcase because it was an hour, a full hour, where we only saw five games. FIFA, Madden, Forza, Call of Duty Ghosts, you might remember that's the one with the dog, and today's game, Quantum Break. So instead of games, the focus was on TV. You might remember the montage, TV, 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 TV. All they did was talk about TV during the showcase about a games console. I don't remember the showcase. Oh, I'm going to show you the montage later. It was famous for, as well, Sony came out the day after and delivered... And like their their kind of crowning moment, they unveiled the they'd unveiled the PS4 and they just did like two hours of nonstop games. They showed like a hundred games and kept taking jabs the whole time at Xbox. The whole time. Um, um, so, in the words of Phil Spencer, the CEO of Microsoft Gaming, he's just guy. a cool guy in a t-shirt and jeans. Oh, look at him! He's got a sports jacket <laughs> yeah. in his thing. He's he's down. He's a gamer anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, he he was the CEO of Microsoft Gaming. He led a part of the press conference, and he came out on stage and he said that Quantum Break was quote a revolutionary entertainment experience that weaves the cinematic action of intense gameplay with the tension and drama of scripted television, creating a world where each has a direct impact on the other. Chase that. Just feels like every game. That feels like marketing speak for every single game ever. Oh, no. Technically, yes, but also literally everything he said is technically true. He was being very literal in everything he said. So, what we saw at the showcase was a 60-second live-action trailer where a young girl speaks to a government agent. She was being taken away to an unknown location. In the little teaser, the agent asks the girl, what makes you so different? And the little girl reaches out and touches the agent's arm. We are given a vision of the future. We see a ship crashing into a bridge, metal and debris fly off, crunching and smashing in slow motion, and then we get the title screen, Quantum Break. 
So what was Quantum Break? Nobody knew, but mere minutes after the Xbox showcase ended, Remedy released a video on their YouTube channel. It was Sam Lake sitting in a chair, talking to the camera. Hi everyone, I'm Sam Lake, he said. I want to take time to talk to all Alan Wake fans. As you might have already seen from the Xbox reveal event, we are working on something new and something big, which of course means that the next big game from Remedy will not be Alan Wake 2. For a lot of you that can come as a surprise and a disappointment, I wanted to give a bit of perspective on it. Games are huge undertakings, and for them to work, many things need to fall in place. The right partners, and the right funding. From a creative perspective, it would be really cool if we could just make cool stuff and not rely on minor details like money. I am directly quoting him. Mm. How, how, why did Microsoft air this? Oh no, they didn't. This was posted on the Remedy YouTube channel, oh. separate, almost like a, like a secret thing. Yeah, yeah. So Sam, you bad boy. He, he goes on to explain that Alan Wake was not a huge hit on day one, how it's transformed into a cult classic, and how much that means to Lake and the Remedy team. He talks about how Alan's story isn't over, but for now, Microsoft wanted Quantum Break, so Quantum Break was what they were making. The video ends with a light-hearted clip of a warehouse worker taping a box with Alan Wake do not open until... But we don't see the end of that sentence. It's hidden in shadow. Now we know that Alan Wake 2... Well, now we know Alan Wake 2 is due out this year. Is this year? Apparently. Did, did they do the same box? Did they, like, get... When they announced Alan Wake 2, did they move the box and be like, yeah, 2023? It's, 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 it's important for me to note that we don't currently have a release date for Alan Wake 2, but when Remedy announced oh. it, they did say it was going to be a 2023 release, and it seems like they're on track for that. There's been no announcements of delays. I'm expecting an October release. I think it'll be a Halloween-style release. I think, we'll, I think we'll get a release date at the Summer Games Fest. Because they announced it at the Game Awards with Jeff Keighley, it makes sense to come back. So, regardless, basically, they, they were not, they didn't get the funding for Alan Wake 2 by Microsoft. They were owned by Microsoft at the time. So, they went off to work on Quantum Break for the new are Xbox they, are One. Are they independent now? They are independent now, yes. Mm. Yes, but at the time, they were not. Okay. So, I will flag some more fun behind-the-scenes stuff as we keep going, but for now, I just wanted to bear that in mind as we walk through the full story. Microsoft demanded Remedy make Quantum Break. They wanted a, quote, entertainment experience that would mesh with this new vision they had for the Xbox console. Particularly, they wanted something that would carry the mantra, TV, TV, TV. So, story time. Chapter 1. The number one killer is time. We open with the voice of our main character, Jack Joyce, played by Sean Ashmore. The number one killer is time, he says. It destroys us all. This is what you need to know. Time broke. A growing fracture leading to the end of time. The quantum broke. Mm. Oh. What happened to time? Broke. <laughs> <laughs> also, I just want to quickly highlight Jack Joyce. Worst protagonist's name. That sounds like the protagonist of like an airport like novel <laughs> written by a sort of, you know, one of these... Old guys who writes about the government. Yeah, I, I I said this in my critique of the game. He's just a bit beige. His yeah. his character design is very beige. He's a beige. You're going to notice this throughout. He's a beige character. That guy does not really have a character arc. He doesn't learn any lessons. Great. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 a lot. I love Sean Ashmore. He's incredibly charismatic, and you watch him doing interviews about the game. He's been pushing for a Quantum Break two on Twitter in the past couple of months. Uh, he's been like, and apparently he went to meet Sam Lake in LA. Don't know why. Maybe I'm thinking we might get like a post-credit Silent Wake 2 tease or something, but I have no idea. And we'll talk about that when we get to the end. Because technically Quantum Break is still owned by Microsoft. But so was Alan Wake. And they don't care about TV, TV, TV anymore. Ooh. They care about Cloud, Cloud, Cloud. Mm. 
words. So yeah, so Jack Joyce is he's talking. All you hear is his voice, and he's like, "Look, this is what you need to know. Time broke, growing fracture leading to the end of time. We went after a device that would fix it. Things turned ugly. Paul Serene was there to stop us. He had superpowers. Him and me both. We failed, and of course, time travel was involved. We flash into a boardroom. Of course, yeah, this of is all course. about all about time. So I hope you enjoy your time travel." We flash into a boardroom. Jack is sitting, sipping coffee, opposite this woman, Clarice Ogawa. She's interviewing him. Let's start at the beginning, she says, when you first arrived at Riverport University. The camera pans out to the building they're in, the headquarters of a company called Monarch Solutions, and we flash back, way back to the beginning of our tale. You might notice that the Monarch Solutions, um, the, the logo looks like a, the idea is it's supposed to look like a monarch butterfly. It's mm-hmm. like a angular version. Uh, if we're thinking time travel chase, butterfly effect. Right. So mm-hmm. clever. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You, you guys know what the butterfly effect is? I know you know, but yes. for the sake of our listeners, uh, the butterfly, just in case, the butterfly effect is the theory that if you go back in time, you change one little thing, for example, like killing a butterfly, it will have widespread changes throughout the time stream. Um, i.e. you change one little thing and everything changes. That's the theory with the butterfly effect. Really important I want you to remember that that is the logo for Monarch Solutions, okay? So, Jack is in the back of a cab. We hear his monologue explain that he was on his way to visit his old friend, Paul Serene. He got an email from Paul. No details were given, but it sounded like he was under some kind of pressure. He'd asked Jack to come and see him. He needed help. The cab driver... Nearly hits a student protester, but manages to slam the brakes on just in time. Jack gets out and thinks about how he's been away for so long. Six years. He'd kept in touch with Paul, but not his brother, Will. He's racked with guilt over it. So Jack has not been in touch with his brother, Will, whoever Will is. So he heads to the university. The place is a mess. It's the aftermath of a massive protest against a company called Monarch. They're wanting to tear down the local library and the students are all pissed about it. Classic student stuff. Oh, to be young. So Jack bumps into this woman, Amy Ferrero. He's just like walking past her and she basically grabs him and is like, hey, if you're with the fraternity, you've done enough damage. We're being shut down. And Jack's like, whoa, I come in peace. I'm just meeting a friend. Amy is like, well, we're spreading awareness about Monarch Solutions. How would you feel if you knew that a corporate monopoly was taking a massive dump all over your personal history? That library over there... Massive lore dump? Massive lore... No. (laughs) (laughs) Awful. It's it's early, everyone. Um, The library over there is 100 years old, and Monarch's going to tear it down tomorrow to build a research facility. Doesn't that suck? Sign my petition. And Jack is like, uh, sure, man, keep fighting the good fight, and moves on. So not interested in whatever Amy Ferreira's got going on. He keeps heading over to the physics building, where he sees this guy, Liam Burke. Liam is like, hey, protest's over, go home. And Jack smirks at him and is like, not why I'm here, chief. Holster that safety whistle. Anyway, where's your uniform? I've been in trouble enough to sniff out a security guard. And Liam growls at him. You sure this is where you want to be sniffing around? Jack's grr. like, grr. <laughs> yeah, angry, angry Liam Burke. He's an angry man. He's always angry. So he's like, you want to keep, you sure this is where you want to be, sniffing around? And Jack's like, okay, and keeps jogging on to meet Paul. He eventually does. He eventually finds his old friend, Paul Serene, played by Aidan Gillen, otherwise known as Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. This is why I was asking you if you knew Game of Thrones. Um, oh, yeah. Very well-known actor, Aidan Gillen. Um, but yeah, and he's, he's playing Paul Serene, his old friend. Uh, so he's like, Jack Joyce in the flesh. And Jack does like a fake little like bow. <laughs> he's like, and he's like, oh, social awkwardness. I get <laughs> yeah. it. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't seen it for six years, right? It makes sense. My leash. <laughs> <laughs> it like I've probably adorable. done that at least once. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. You did that this morning. Oh. As I came in. I'm on time today. <laughs> <laughs> little bow. Um, so, yeah, Jack does like a fake little bow and he's like, the esteemed Paul Serene. I feel like you should just stick like a fedora on his head at this point. Like, <laughs> what's shaking, money bags? <laughs> That's worse! So uh, the two, they, they, they're, they're, they're bros, right? They hug it out. They're, they're best friends. They're happy to see each other. Careful, careful. He's got superpowers. That's a good point. Yes, he does, apparently, in the future, or maybe now. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, they're happy to see each other. Jack is like, so let me guess. You've got some big project you want to talk about. Are you Does he say it exactly like that? You go, big project. No, he doesn't. He's like, oh, let me guess. No, he says it project. like little finger. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry, this is Jack. Jack saying oh, this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so Jack says it kind of beige. He's like, like so he says it like an X Man. God. <laughs> so yeah, he's like, oh, let, let me guess. You got some big project you want to talk about. Are you working on it with my brother Will? And Paul shakes his head. Will doesn't know we're here. What I'm about to show you, it's going to change the entire world. Jack is like, why do I smell a presentation coming? And Paul replies, I would never. Oh, wait, look, a perfectly placed presentation to illustrate the project. Who put that there? So Jack parks himself in a chair and Paul dazzles us. Oh. Progress, he says. Our primary drive is a species. Over time, we have cured life-threatening illnesses, explored the world. And Jack's like, oh, good, going into marketing spiel mode. And Paul snaps at him. Don't ruin my flow. Anyway. Years ago, William Joyce, your brother, posited the existence of chronon particles, which fill an all-encompassing field, enabling the constant and steady progression of time. We have found a way to manipulate that field, and the results are staggering. Paul guides us through, and we eventually see his lab, and a humongous machine built in the centre of it. A metallic orb sits in the centre with a wide ring of platforms surrounding it, all connected by wires and panelling and gizmos that I don't fully understand. But basically, what you're looking at is an orb with a corridor around it. You can't see the corridor in this shot, but there's a big... You could walk around this corridor that appears. It's like it comes down with panels. Um, it's important for me to note that Remedy, Sam Lake talked in an interview about uh, the, the time travel stuff in Quantum Break. They worked with a scientist from CERN uh, who explained like how black holes work and how... I'm gonna how... say the sort of the circular thing immediately made me think of the the uh, the particle collider. The mm. what do you call it? It's it's not like you know you sit in a chair and you go back in time. It's 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 the concept of if you move through space at a certain point you're actually moving through time. Is is the way Sam Lake described it based on what the CERN scientist told him. So in order to travel through time, you guys know it's a time travel game. Sorry, spoilers. It's about to happen, but you have to walk through the corridor, and depending on which direction you go, you're either going into the future or the past potentially. So are you walking faster than the speed of light? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what was that? They just make the gravity really heavy. <laughs> um, the, the, the game does go into like incredible depth about how time travel works through collectibles and lore items for the sake of speed. Your guys, favorite. Yeah. I, I love me some collectibles and some lore, lore stuff, but like there's, there's a lot here and I don't want to turn this into two hours while we debate the science of time travel because I don't understand it. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll have, a, we'll have a side dump for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's not call them that. The rules get established in a different way, and the rules are what matters. So, you're walking around, it's cool, it's cool as hell. Look at this, a lab with a time machine in it. Paul is still kind of being kind of cryptic. He's like, I need your help. When Will discovered what we'd built, he didn't like it. I need your help to convince him. Tonight, I'm testing it for the first time. So, Jack doesn't really know what the hell is going on, but he helps Paul set up the machine. Through turning dials, gearing keys, and pulling levers... How the fuck does he know what to do there? Oh, uh, Paul guides him through it. 
He's like, okay, I need to turn this dial for me. At that point, button. he should just do it all himself. Uh, yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, do you not have an assistant? Like, yeah. no, why why get the fully, assumedly non-scientist tinkering with all your very expensive looking equipment? You've not seen this guy in years, and you've got him doing a shift for you. <laughs> Paul doesn't really have a lot of friends. <laughs> he's, yeah. not, he's not really the sort yeah. of guy who has a lot of friends. He's um, giving me sort of Zuckerberg vibes. Yeah, Zuckerberg is... Which is funny, because other guy's giving me Musk vibes. <laughs> what, who? I Paul, was talking Paul, about Paul. Paul. Yeah, I Paul. was talking oh. about Paul. Oh, I was thinking Paul gives... I, no, no, I would put I would make Paul more Zuckerberg than Musk, okay. because Paul... They both have, like, everybody, all these three people have money, but the difference is that Paul at least kind of knows what he's talking about. He's studied the science of it. He understands it. Musk just kind of loosely understands what he's talking about, <laughs> i.e. look at what he's doing to Twitter. Um, and Zuckerberg at least, like, you know, created a platform and didn't, you know, rip off his friends. Anyway... Uh, well, Musk. no, no, he did rip off a bunch of people. Well, sorry, no, he did. He did. You're absolutely right. He did rip off a bunch anyway, of people. Anyway, we're getting off, we're getting off track, track. yeah. Regardless, this is important tangents. It's important to the lore. <laughs> so regard, yes, yeah, so Paul's a billionaire, right? But it's important to know that Paul is a billionaire who, like, he, he's a scientist. He knows his stuff. He has studied this. Mm-hmm. So regardless, they set it all up. Um, so he's he, they, 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 they turn the dials, turn the gizmos. A tiny black hole suddenly appears around the metallic orb. Uh, and Jack's like, oh, it's like we're launching a nook. <laughs> We're not, we're not launching a nuke, right? And Paul goes, only one way to find out! And then the two of them activate the time machine. Lights kick off, some of the panels were and move into place. It's the corridor, Paul explains. The passenger enters at one end, travels around the loop, exits the other, and arrives at the predetermined time where the machine is physically situated in that time. So you, you, you can't, like, portal you can't yourself to, the, to Scotland. So can, oh, right, but can they go to the past, then? They can go to the past or the future, wherever the time machine is. So... Right, right. Only right. as far back as when it was invented. But how do yes. they get back? No, no, no. So, yes. Yeah, so, so, well, well. <sighs> like, if you, go, if you go to the 1300s, you might be in the same spot, but the machine's not there, is it? Yeah, so can, can can you only go to a time where the machine exists, or can you go to any time but only in the same physical location? Yeah, it, would a, it would be a bummer if you went to the future and someone had destroyed it in, in the interim. You're like, oh. Or, like, if you try to go to the future and, like, you walk in the corner right and suddenly it just, like, doesn't work and you're like, oh, shit. The machine broke. No, sorry. Yes, you can only you can only go back to the point where the machine is. So you can't go back to the age of the dinosaurs. Right. The fact yeah. that you said that right it, with the big pointies right as I said that makes me think that that exact plot point's going to come up later. I, I wasn't listening to you. I was suddenly wow. you, you, you both you both threw me off for a second. I went, damn it! What are the rules? And then I remembered what happened. So now I know what's happening. Yes. Okay. okay so. Please give us a PhD talking how time travel works. <laughs> we need it. So, so you can only travel back to to the location of the time machine, and if there is at least the core of the time machine present. Okay. All right. So, I want to be clear. This is about thirty minutes of gameplay, turning dials and turning gears, and Paul explaining the rules and reading documents. It is not the most interesting way that information has ever been conveyed. And after all of this, after thirty minutes of this, and after Paul literally spelling out what it is and saying it's a time machine, Jack goes, "Oh, it's a time machine." <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. All size. Uh, so Jack's not very smart, is he? <laughs> what does Jack do? Uh, he is an I don't know. Uh, we is are he, never really. Is he just told. sort of muscle? He, he's traveled the world over the past six years. He he helps like oh. protests overseas. He's he kind of just does whatever. Type. Not mercenary. He's not really someone that like fires guns and stuff. He just he's just there. he's just a sort of backpack. Kind of just there <laughs> to be honest. Right, okay. he's, yeah, yeah. He's just so, holidaying on his trust fund money. Wandering up to people with my leash. 
So, no, Chase, you keep getting Jack and Paul mixed up. Helping out with the protest overseas, but not helping out with the library protest here. That one's not important. Yeah, no, no, no. He was fine. It's because because the the lady thought that he might have been in a fraternity, despite the fact he's clearly 36. I also absolutely (laughs) keep getting Jack and Paul mixed up. Just for reminding me. Paul scientist, Jack main character. Yes. Cool, okay. Yes. Grand. Paul rich, Jack not. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it's going to become quite easy for you to differentiate them in a minute. So. Okay. okay. They get Just... name badges. <laughs> <laughs> One becomes very old in the time machine. So they, they, they get, the, he's like, oh my God, it's a time machine. Isn't this cool? And uh, Paul is like, I'm going to be the first Jack and you're here as my witness. So he programs the machine to take him two minutes into the past and enters the corridor. Or at least he tries to. Because as he opens the door, he sees himself. 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 Well done, Chase. He called it. Uh, Two Pauls. Jack is like, what is happening? But the two Pauls explain, speaking at the exact same time. This is exactly what was supposed to happen. That's he's me. You're me. A future version of me from two minutes in the future. Your evil future self, future Paul quips. We did it. They high five. Everyone's happy. They're like, we can cure diseases before they spread. Prevent disasters before they happen. Future Paul is like, I just had this conversation. And winks. Sounds even better the second time. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hate everybody in this game so far. <laughs> yeah, like Paul's a bit up his own arse, but like he knows what he's talking about. Jack's no better. They're all awful. Yeah, J- Jack's whatever. Yeah. And so, <laughs> sorry, I don't, I don't want to bias you guys, right? Pa- Jack is fine, but when you put him next to Alan Wake, and I, I don't even love Jesse too much in Control, but like Jesse's at least more interesting than Jack is. Um, anyway, so future Paul, isn't this great? Two Pauls. So present Paul goes into the machine to complete the loop because he has to come out, do this future Paul shtick, you know, all that. What happens if he doesn't? Does that Paul just disintegrate in front of us? Good question, Chase. What happens if he changes? Because this is the flow of time now. What happens if he changes something? What happens? A butterfly effect. Is it possible to? A monarch. So present Paul goes in the machine to complete the loop, leaving Jack and future Paul alone. Future Paul is like, great, that's half the test done. It works. We can go into the past. But now we need to check the other half. Set the machine to five minutes in the future. Jack does as he asks. Paul steps into the corridor and the door locks behind him. And then a voice sounds out. What are you doing? Jack's brother Will, played by Dominic Monaghan. Dominic Monaghan. Lord of the Rings. Lost. He's Merry from Lord of the Rings. Oh, so he is. <laughs> Thank you. Know. Doing a questionable American accent. I, I did think that his, his face, face looked familiar. familiar. I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, all I, remember, I think I remember the review clips at the time of the accent. It's uh, it's not one of his best. Yeah, I would, I would give you an example, but my American accent isn't very good. So it wouldn't really help show his American Try accent it. not being very Try good. It. We I love your accents, it. as some comments were pointing out recently. Yeah. Jack's brother Will (laughs) enters the lab armed with a gun. The two brothers don't have time to catch up, though. Will is straight to business. You have to help me with this. We have to shut this thing down now. Jack's like, what? We can't shut it down. Paul's still in there. Put the gun down. What were you doing, you lunatic? And Will shouts back, you have to trust me. Time is going to end. But everyone is too late. Alarms blare. Parts of the machine begin to fizzle and crack. Something is going wrong. Will screams in frustration and runs up to the next console, trying to shut down the machine. Jack runs to the time machine to try and help Paul out. But just as he reaches the door, boom, an explosion of silvery energy phases out of the machine through Paul, through Jack. The chronon field passes through their bodies, touching every atom, every molecule, 
down to the it's how they get shoot. It's their superhero origin story. Time superpowers, probably. Most they don't need the corridor. <laughs> they are the corridor. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Most importantly of all, time stops. Jack and Paul are still conscious. They can talk to each other. Paul is like, I'll find a way out, make sure Will's okay, but Will isn't okay. So everything around He's them is frozen. frozen. In time. Okay, this is like a Bernard's Watch situation. Sorry for anyone not from the UK. <laughs> Bernard's Watch was a... <laughs> Why am I going on about this? Bernard's Watch was a CBBC show in the UK about a little boy with a stop clock that could stop time. Yeah. And he would use it to pull little silly pranks or like get out of school for the day. Yeah, he never did anything yeah. cool like rob a bank or... No, yeah. no, he didn't. Um... Yeah. So cool. A felony. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... so, yeah, so, so Will is frozen in time. Jack doesn't know what to do. So, instinctually, he just reaches out and touches his brother. And just like that, Will becomes unstuck. But time continues to stand still. Zero state, Will says. I'm not going to do the accent anymore. Zero state. Looking around at the frozen room, we see chairs stuck in midair, tiny pieces of metal that pierce the air, unable to move. What have we done? She tried to warn me. I knew she was right all this time. I tried to warn Paul, but he didn't listen. Jack goes back to try and get Paul out. But just as we approach, time becomes unstuck. Some armed soldiers burst into the lab. There's no other way out, Paul yells at Jack. I'm going through the machine. And he vanishes down the corridor. We don't know where he's gone, but he's gone down the corridor. Past, present, don't know. Past, future, don't know. So proper gameplay begins here. We are maybe 40 minutes into the game. Jack and Will try to escape from the soldiers, heading through the underbelly of the physics building. A soldier appears and immediately opens fire on Will and Jack. Panicking, Jack reaches out with his arms, momentarily freezing a pocket of time. The soldier, the bullets, they don't move. It's just temporary, but it looks like he's got a superpower. Superhero origin story. Your proximity to the explosion, it must have altered your relation to the chronon field, Will says. And Jack's like, speak English, motherfucker. And Bill gives a big sigh, and he's like... Explosion make time go bad. If time <laughs> <laughs> If time is an egg, that egg is broken. And... <laughs> Excuse me? And That's Jack... not the line. Yep. The and... egg is the quantum. <laughs> and Jack Jack looks at him and replies, What why is there an egg in this? Very Valid question. No. I, I like how Jack has to explain to him like he's five, but at the same time. I think the egg metaphor Makes sense. If time is egg, egg is broken. <laughs> Just say it's broken. <laughs> we all understand the concept. So Will's like, look, there's a fracture in time, okay? And it's breaking down, leading to the end of time. I warned Paul about this. I tried to make him listen to me. And Jack is like, yeah, by shoving a gun in my face. And Will's like, yes, a gun. The universal symbol for shut the hell up and listen to me. Anyway, we need to get to... <laughs> I, I, I can like tell why they haven't spoken in years. Will is just exhausted with having to explain things to Jack. <laughs> Will's also immediately the best one in this game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Five so miles. Yeah, yeah. I can just tell he had to sit Jack down and explain to him how to do his taxes when he was like in his mid twenties. Oh, Those are juicy. I don't want to think about that. Jack, are you joking? Jack hasn't paid any taxes. Look yeah. at him. Yeah. He doesn't know what taxes He's been busy are. Backpacking. Yeah. He's he's a free citizen. If make money, little bit money, money by hospital. Explain <laughs> it to me again, like I'm three. So so yes, so so he's like, look, yes, of course I did, right? Universal symbol, etc. Um anyway, we need to get to my car. I built something to stop the end of time. A countermeasure. Is it a DeLorean? We need to get to my car. 
So the two oh. brothers work together. A car. A, a car. Yeah, maybe it's a DeLorean. Who knows? Um, although I don't know why he would build a time machine inside his car if there's already a time machine with a corridor in it. But, you know. Yeah. So, so the two brothers... Because the car's cooler than a corridor. That's true. So the two brothers work together. We fight some soldiers. Back to the Future Musical is incredible, by the way. Anyway, uh, we fight some soldiers. <laughs> and we learn that they work for GASP Monarch Solutions. Butterfly people. Yes. I don't have a picture. So. Sorry, is, sorry am I, um, did I miss a step? Is Paul the CEO of Monarch? Is, he, is Paul the boss of Monarch? We don't know. Yes. We don't know who oh, the CEO is. Oh, it's a separate is. thing. Oh, separate right. thing. It's just... just coincidence that they were on campus together i sort of assumed that he was part of monarch but... pure coincidence paul's doing his little experiment some soldiers have broken in who work for monarch and they're messing up sure, the time i would assume that paul works for the university given that he has his research lab yeah, in the university right? yeah yeah so so paul and will are both kind of like they're not like professors or anything but they've got a research unit that they, they, they they've been working on some cool research funded by the university here yeah. um, but will, will and paul had a bit of a falling out Years and years ago, um, and, and Will's been off doing his own thing, presumably building a countermeasure for the end of time. Mm. But he, you might, it was a very quick thing, but he said, like, she told me this would happen. We don't know who she is, but some woman told him that the end of time was coming and he needs to build a countermeasure, it seems. So, regardless, they're on their way to their car. Uh, we learned that the soldiers work for Monarch. They're arresting all of the students, trashing the university, eliminating all witnesses. Feels very topical. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Tennessee vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's topical. Uh, so we've got our big bad conglomerate to take down, right? Monarch are the baddies. But why are they here? Oh, it's a mystery. Oh. The two brothers get separated and we learn that the Monarch goons have taken Will hostage. So we're still at the uni. In fact, they've taken him to that old library that was planned for demolition by Monarch. Meaning we can shoot up the place consequence free. Isn't that great? But on the way to the library to save Will, we meet... This woman. Wait, who gave Jack a gun? Oh, he got a gun off one of the soldiers. We meet this woman, Beth Wilder, played by Courtney Hope. You have played Control. This is the actor. You've played like five minutes. I've played five minutes. Control. This is is the woman that uh, plays Jesse. This is the actor, Courtney Hope. She's playing Beth Wilder in this game. You know you've done a good job when you get double cast in the same (laughs) universe. Uh, I feel like that's become relevant later. We're going to suddenly find out that she is Jesse. Yeah. That, that that would be cool. I'll tell you right now, it's not. They're not the same character. Um, but there's no hint that that is the case. I hope they meet each other and go, why do you have my face? Yeah. 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 So Beth works for Monarch. She's holding a gun to Jack's head. But then she's The stopped. universal symbol for shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's okay. Jack doesn't understand what a gun is. <laughs> if pull trigger, bullet go out. <laughs> we've... We've... we've, we've yeah. Label Jack is just this little caveman child. Yeah. That's all he is. Alan Wake's a dick and Jack is a moron. Love it. <laughs> so, what will Jesse be? <laughs> so Beth works for Monarch. That's the, ooh, she's in a Monarch uniform. Uh, she's got a gun to Jack's head, and but then she stops and she goes, oh, you're Jack Joyce. And Jack does, just ignores, ignores that weird thing that she says. I, I think Jack Joyce is going to be the... Is going to be the CEO of Monarch. Jack is Jack is staring into middle distance, and Will's poking and going, "She's talking to you. She's talking to you." <laughs> so Jack, Jack Jack ignores that weird like thing to say, "How does she know who he is?" And he looks at her and goes, "Where's my brother?" And she's like, "Oh, they're taking him to the library." Jack doesn't know why Beth is helping him, but right now he doesn't care. He races off to find Will, and we hear a voiceover. The present day interview from the beginning. This is going to be injected a few yeah. times into the game. It's it's little teases of things to come. I think. How very, how, how very Persona 5. You've yes. definitely hit on the fact that they are both 
either Jack or Paul or both of them are definitely like known to these people because they've gone to the past or the future at some point. Well, I, ass- I assume that past, Paul assume. and Will are probably known because, you know, they're published scientists in time travel. But like Jack, uh, yeah, he's heads off to the library to find Will and then we hear Jack's voiceover from the interview and he says in the interview room, that was the first time I saw Beth Wilder, but definitely not the first time she saw me. When Jack reaches the library, it's not as heavily guarded as he expected. It seems that something else is happening on the other side of campus. We pick up on the comms that the monarch grunts are like far away dealing with something else. So he manages to reach and rescue Will with ease. Definitely future him doing a distraction for himself. Where's my car? Will mutters. Did you get to it? I didn't like the colour, Jack quips. Let's get a new one. (laughs) Jack, you're not funny. Just, you don't have to be on all the time, Jack. So I think that's a really good line. No, it's like proper like 80s action hero line. That it, it might be fine if it was a one-off. It's the fact that yeah. it's constant. And, and Will and Will says, Will replies, "Mom's taking you out of the will." <laughs> out of the will. <laughs> well, to be fair, he's not done. So uh, Will's like, "Where's my car? Did you get to it?" Jack's like, "I didn't like the color. Let's get a new one." Then Will's like, "What? No, Jack, my briefcase. My briefcase is in the car." And then Jack goes, "I'll take you shopping." <laughs> what? It's not the. It's presumably what's in it, you moron. <laughs> I think we're very right in our labeling of Jack as a moron. So Will turns around and like, no, we need to get to my briefcase and then we need to find Beth Wilder. She warned me this would happen. She knows about the fracture. I trust her. So presumably Beth is the woman that told him all about all this. According to Will, that's what he's saying. So Beth is the one that warned that's him cool. this would happen. Mm. Beth is cool. Uh, glad you trusted somebody, Jack grunts. The two brothers start to leave the library, but suddenly... They're interrupted. Paul Serene, hair grey, wrinkles on his face, protected by two monarch soldiers. Paul doesn't say much, just, I'm sorry. And then he darts forward faster than light, almost teleporting. He freezes Will, grapples Jack, and force pushes him through the front doors to the library. He's got powers. Jack lies on the ground, barely conscious, and helplessly, he watches. Paul, what happened to you? Will says. What are you doing? You don't know what's at stake. He's on his knees. Paul has a gun to his head. I know exactly what's at stake, Paul replies. That's why I'm here. You believe you can stop what's coming? This path is already set. It can't be changed. The past, the future, I've seen it. I lived it for, for 17 years. Come with me and we can see this through. Or hold on to your hope and burn with it. Pass. And Will is like, I built a device to stop this. Let's work together. You can't, Paul snarls. And I can't risk you opposing me. Please, it doesn't have to end like this. It took me years to come to terms with what must be done, but we don't have years. He tries to pull the trigger on the gun, but he can't bring himself to kill Will and Cold Blood. They were, after all, one's friends. Paul puts his finger to his ear, closes his eyes, and says, Trigger, and pushes Will back into the library. The building crumbles, coming down on top of him. No! The only good character! Jack screams, and just as he tries to get to his feet, Liam Burke, the grump from outside the physics building at the start of the game, who was, like, looking really angry and Mm. gruff, yeah, uh, he he appears, um, and he crunches the butt of his gun into his face. He's got a monarch armband on now. Yeah, he falls, Jack falls unconscious, and it's the end of chapter one. So, there you go. Which one are you called, Future Paul, being the... That was me. Was it you? Yeah. There you go. So Paul, Paul went went somewhere. It's all right. It's, it's we, we don't now. you don't get Dominic Monaghan for thirty minutes. Okay, we'll see we'll see past Dominic Monaghan probably or something. It does feel like a very expensive cameo if he yeah. is only here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so 
Yeah. All um, the way you said that makes me think that we're not getting any more of him. <laughs> so, remember, TV, 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 Chase. This is supposed to be a, a, an expensive, authentic experience, right? So, we don't just play as Jack in Quantum Break. Okay. We also play as Paul Serene, the older Paul Serene, the baddie Paul Serene that just killed Will. Is he a baddie? Well, he just killed Will. That that doesn't mean he's a baddie, well, what was necessarily. I mean, there I, might be a reason. He's pretty bad. He just like, beat the I crap feel, out of Jack I, and I then killed like if, the guy. I feel like if your friend was like, listen to me, I have a way that we can solve this together, and you went, no, kill him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe not a good guy. I like him. He's all right. I, I want to be clear, Chase. The music, the framing, everything, you're supposed to go baddie. You're supposed to think Paul is For bad. now. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm gonna I'm um, gonna hold on to Paul Paul's a goodie. Was it the fascist jackboots that, that convinced <laughs> you? Um Hold on to that because it's an interesting take, and I'm not going to say much more. So we're, we're, we're playing as Paul Serene, right? Chapter one ended, and then when, when, when we fade back in, we're playing as Paul. It's a short, ten-minute little vignette called A Junction. This will happen a few times. It gives us some insight to his plan, what he's trying to do. So with Jack knocked out, we cut to playing as Paul. Paul pulls the tape recorder out of his pocket and speaks into it. My name is Paul Serene, he says. Seventeen years ago, I founded Monarch Solutions with a very clear purpose. There are those who would question my actions. I am recording this as a final statement of vindication. A testimony to how things came to be. I've never questioned my mission, because I've seen where this all leads. A Humvee pulls up to the Riverport dock. Paul steps out and is greeted by this guy, Martin Hatch, his right-hand man, played by Lance Reddick, the late oh, Lance Reddick. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. So, again, oh. we'll, we'll date the episode here, but Lance Reddick passed away a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, um, we're very is, depressed. Yeah, very, very, very sad. Um, to, to be fair, um, as much as I do, I do have iffy feelings about the game. Lance Reddick isn't one of them. As always, Lance Reddick absolutely smashes his part, and he is every time he's on screen, he's just so engaging, um, and his character is really interesting. We'll, we'll miss you forever, Albert Wesker. Yeah, not the not the character I'm going to remember Lance Reddick for. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, um, so. Yeah, so so Martin Hatch steps out of the Humvee, and he's, he's Paul's right-hand man, um, and he's played by Lance Reddick. We have a problem, Hatch says. We've lost contact with Jack Joyce's transport. He should be here by now. We may have a traitor on the inside. Paul stops, closes his eyes, and he glimpses into the future. He sees Jack with his arms outstretched, being arrested by monarch soldiers. Whatever this ability is, exactly, to look into the future, it takes a toll on Paul. He winces from the vision. His head hurts. His hands shake. Every time he taps into his powers, his condition, called Cronon Syndrome, gets worse. Hatch looks at him with concern. You're due for your treatment, he says, but Paul ignores him. Hatch continues. Jack's interference at the university led to some unexpected complications. Witnesses from the university were transported here. You need to take a look. The way I see it, we have two options. We could use force, remove any loose ends, but if those witnesses disappear, then the public will start asking questions. They'll turn on Monarch. Alternatively, I could mount a PR strategy, get the city on our side, but that leaves us with the loose ends, the students. The choice is yours. Out of yes. curiosity, what public-facing does Monarch do? Uh, like, what, what do people think... Monarch does Ph pharmacy, um, TVs, uh, technology, classic baddie, kind of, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, cool to everything, bit of everything, everything. generic, yeah. cool. Um, he's like, Look, we got some protesters, we need to figure out what to do with them here. 
are your two options. And um, he goes, the choice is yours, Paul. Paul approaches and uh, we he sees Amy Ferrero tied up on her knees. So these junctions that were when we play as Paul, they're choose your own adventure moments. Whatever the player chooses, they will influence the events of the game. And boys, I'm going to give you that choice. Yeah, boy. I have I have stuff in the script that I'll only mention depending on your choices. For some bits, I have literally written two oh. versions of certain episodes. Oh, that's um, you, awesome! There's five choices total in the entire game. I love this, but I also hate it except one of the other. <laughs> Um, You're so, going to make me play this game, aren't you? So I'm going to give you a choice. You ready? So choice number one is um, called Hardline. Hardline. Monarch would take a hardline approach. They would crush all obstacles, eliminate any witnesses, kill Amy Ferrero. We see Liam Burke taking Amy away at gunpoint. We see Jack standing over a computer. A man, a mysterious shadowy man, sits in a chair behind him saying, I dug through the area and found everything I could on your bro. You gotta see this video I found, man. The people of Riverport would officially turn against Monarch. We see people protesting Monarch, riots in the streets. Monarch's secrets would be safe, but the public would hate them. Jack would gain new allies. Choice two, PR. Monarch would force Amy Ferrero to make a PR statement. We see Hatch sitting opposite Amy, a camera on her. She's forced to say that Jack Joyce is a terrorist. The public would side with Monarch. A manhunt would start for Jack. We see Jack standing at a computer again, but this time with Amy Ferrero. The eyewitnesses would still be out there. So what's your choice? So do we kill Amy, and and um, if we kill Amy, then Monarch would, the people of Riverport would turn against Monarch. But if we save Amy, the people of Riverport will turn against Jack. That's basically what you need to know. Is Amy the only protester they care about? Do the rest of the protesters just not She's like the face of the protest. It, how big of a protest is this that they care? Important for me to know, sorry, if you kill Amy, you're killing all the protesters. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Part of me wants... Don't, don't, don't kill some kids. Part of me wants to for the amusement. Part of me thinks that the other is interesting. I, I, I think it's, an, it's kind of interesting what they've done here because there's obviously like a, a morally right thing to do that hopefully everyone <clears throat> would agree with. Don't kill those kids. However, the way they presented it is you will make your main character's life easier if you do this. Um, yeah. You will benefit uh, Jack, but I, I'm still not convinced it's worth... Neil, I would like to put these children's lives up to a game of rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> right. So are you kill kids? I, I, I can be kill kids. Okay, best of three? Best of three. One, two, three. Okay. That's one nil to kill kids. <laughs> one, two, three. That's kill the kids. The kids are dead. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, kids. Fate didn't happen in three <laughs> I, kids, I lost 2-0. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you think that's how, how Paul makes this decision? He nips behind with, with Hatch behind the van. So as a reminder, Microsoft did... This is your second big reveal, Chase. As a reminder, Microsoft didn't just want a video game. They also wanted a TV show that integrated with the game. These live-action television episodes had all of the same cast, Aiden Gillen, Lance Reddick, still play Paul and Hatch, for example, but they were not written and directed by Remedy. I kind of want you to remember that. They were outsourced to another company called Lifeboat Productions. 
Sam Lake gave them an overview that he he told them what the story was and where characters would end up and what they'd do. Um, Remedy sent them parts of the game so that details could be the same. We see in-game locations in the TV show. But Lifeboat kept kind of cocking it up. And when Xbox, when they came to Remedy and said, listen, make Quantum Break, please. Uh, Remedy like, sure, no problem. TV integrated with the video game. Um, and they said, okay, you, here's your funding. Also, here are Xbox Studios, the, the television company. Um, and Remedy basically said, cool, thank you for the funding. We don't want Xbox Studios. And Why? Because Sam Lake basically didn't trust what was happening at Xbox Studios, which was a good thing because halfway through Quantum Break's development, Xbox Studios ended up laying off about 30,000 people. Fantastic. Yeah, wow. yeah, he made a really good call that day. No more TV, TV, TV. No um, more TV, TV, can TV. You, can you explain, please, how the... First of all, it, it's re- it's really mad that anyone thought this is a good idea. They are not compar- like yep. one-to-one comparable experiences. You're not in the same mind frame when watching a TV show as you are playing a game. They're different experiences yep. like for your brain. Um, yep. Can you explain how it works? Is yes. it are, are the TV shows in the game when you buy the game? When you buy the game, you get the TV episodes. You cannot uh, progress through the game without watching the TV oh. episodes. You, you can skip through. You how can long, fast forward them. How long them. are they? 25 to 30 minutes. Oh, they are proper episodes. And most importantly of all, Chase, your choices will change the, what happens <laughs> in the TV show. I will they be filmed different I would stuff. just be on my phone. Like, I would just take, be on my phone for 25 so minutes. So the mantra for Quantum Break was, the game's about the heroes, the show's about the villains. The show follows a lot of more Monarch. We see Jack, but it's all about Monarch and Paul and, and what they're up to. And there are pivotal plot details in it, so we are covering the TV show. Mainly because the TV show is mainly what changes based off your choice. They filmed okay. different stuff. But also, I want to flag to you that Lifeboat kept kind of cocking up the TV show. So Remedy kept sending them bits of the game and stuff. And there, there was a bit where, like, they sent them, like, an office. And they had they had to kind of scramble it together quickly for filming purposes. And inside it was, like, a white box lamp. So Lifeboat ended up, like, rendering a white box lamp in one of the shots oh, and stuff. God. Yeah, there's a bit later on where Aidan Gillen does a live-action, um, like... He does a speech, basically, if, depending on what happens, what your choices lead, lead you to. He does a speech, and in the game, uh, you watch that speech, and it's the version where Aiden Gillen got his lines wrong. Like he, <laughs> You see the bit where Paul is like, he, he says something, I, I think I have it in this, but later on he's going to be like, Oh, I thank you all for being here today. <sighs> thank you all for being here today. Oh my God. You know, like he stops himself and yeah, yeah. So so it's oh, it was really poorly handled. So for example, um, so they so because of this, because it's much more expensive to film a television show and get the actors there on the day, Remedy would then have to go back into the game to change oh, details no. for the sake of consistency. I can just picture Sam Lake's face when he's when he's getting the the scripts or the cuts from yep. the TV show through. It's not you've written that we broke space. It's time we broke. You know, so like. for example. No, they broke the quantum! <laughs> so, for example, uh, just to give you a, a sense of what we're talking about here, I mean, they are tiny details. This is how much Remedy cared about getting it right. Beth Wilder's character had a random earring in one scene of the TV show because they, Courtney Hope forgot to take out an earring or something. I noticed um, that she had an earring when we yeah, saw so her. So yeah. Remedy went back to the game and added that onto her model. To be fair, the first thing I thought when I saw her was, Oh, I like that era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it was a good call. Good job, good <laughs> job, Lifeboat. I feel sorry for the little team of animators that presumably had to sit in a, a room for two weeks. But yeah. simultaneously, if that only happened in one scene of the show, assumedly she doesn't have that in the rest of the show. So do they 
have it come and go in the game as there's well. There's a canon reason. It's like Mickey losing his shirt. There's a canon reason. Ah! Where I don't know. I, I honestly can't tell you, but be on the lookout for the earring. Yeah, the, quantum, the quantum breaks the earring at some point. <laughs> so, um, the, so the, yes, the game is structured as so. An episode of gameplay, the whole section in the university, a Paul Serene junction, and then an episode of television that was directly changed depending on what you picked in the junction episode. How many TV episodes are there? There are there four. Are f- five, if I remember rightly, five episodes of gameplay, That's four. Terrible. I thought it was going to be six or more. That could yeah. Be worse. yeah. So, with your choice in mind, which was hardline to kill the kids, you can yeah. kill the kids. So Let's weird. turn to TV episode one, Monarch Solutions. So, the hardline choice Amy Ferrero sits in an abandoned warehouse. Oh, She's battered, bruised. Liam Burke stands to the side. Martin Hatch sits opposite her. What do you want? Amy asks. Names. Hatch says, witnesses, anyone who might implicate Monarch. Amy says nothing. Hatch stares at her, unblinking. See those two men either side of you? Well, I'm going to stand, leave, and the one on the right is going to shoot you in the head. He stands, starts to leave, and we cut to Liam Burke's face as a gunshot rings out. He looks away, and a splash of guilt on his face. Outside the warehouse, we see Hatch apply eye drops. He sees Liam. Walk with me, he says. We've lost contact with Jack Joyce's transpo. Just don't cut off. So does the does the eye drop mean anything? Don't cut off two no, letters. It's just, it's just a little character thing. Just don't. Just don't. It doesn't save time. It's the same amount of mm. syllables. <laughs> a transpo. Transpo. You're going to notice this a lot in the TV show. No one knows what the word transport is. <laughs> Everybody says transpo. This is an alternate. This is an alternate universe where the only thing that's different apart from time travel is the word transport. This is part of the quantum break. Yeah. It's a different it's breaking, timeline. It's breaking letters. What is also, the quantum break? just go back, and mm. you might not tell me this if we're going the choose your own adventure route. If this were the other, the PR episode, does he say the same line of like, I'm going to walk away and he's going to shoot you in the head and as he's walking away? No, like, no. In the PR episode, he forces Amy, he sits there in the same room. And he threatens Amy Ferreira's family by showing her a picture of the address of her parents and says, I've got an operative outside, record my PR message or I'll go send it to shoot oh, them Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Either way, he's a bastard. So they're, they are baddies. Let's, um, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, um, I rescind my statement about thinking that Paul is a goodie in disguise. Enough mucking around about these letters. Let's get on with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That, yeah, very good. So, 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 so Liam founded Monarch. No. Hatch is Liam didn't found Monarch. <clears throat> so oh, Paul. Paul founded Monarch. Oh, Liam's the Liam's the, Liam's the, the gruff. He's the, okay, he's the yeah. Yeah. Okay, never ignore me. Ignore me. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I'm getting everybody confused. <laughs> it's difficult when they've not got anime here. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I need them color coded by their hair. So Liam grimaces at that. He's like, okay, fine. I'll go find Jack Joyce's transport, whatever. But uh, the university, that girl, that's not how we operate. Going in and killing folk. Hatch just ignores him. Beg to differ. Well, yeah. Hatch ignores him and he's like, go home, Liam. Wait for the call. So we cut to the Monarch Solutions headquarters where we meet this man, Charlie Wilcott. He's a hacker for Monarch. Top of his game. Look at him go with his shit little beard. Yeah, so, I was going to say, you can tell he's a hacker because he hasn't shaved his neck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's hacking into the city's CCTV cameras. Big Brother is watching, and his name is Charlie Wilcott. He's looking for the van that had Jack Joyce's unconscious body in it, because again, it's gone missing. We don't know where it is. Liam Burke takes Hatch's advice and goes home. Meanwhile, we cut away. His wife, Emily, is up. 
She was waiting for him, worried. She's a nurse and was on the night shift. Exhausted, he slumps into bed. Things have been really bad at work, he huffs, and he lays his head on Emily's lap. Oh, what, 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 what have they they've given you some tough reports to complete by the end of the week? Not quite. Not quite. Well, he's, he's had a bad time of it, and he's like, things have been really rough at work, he says, and Emily, like, puts her hand over his, strokes his hair and calms him down, and Emily sighs and looks at the man that she loves, and she says, I dreamt that you were a cat. <laughs> <laughs> this is more similar to Kingdom Hearts than I thought. <laughs> it's a very Kingdom Hearts thing to say. What? I dreamt you were a cat. <laughs> Well, maybe he's sort of curled up on her in a quite yep. cat-like way. No, no, she just had a dream that he was a cat. Yeah. Is there more to that? Uh, no. Is that important to the character? Uh, they, they talk Is that about a thematic thing? It, arguably, it's thematic, yeah. I'll okay. point out how it's thematic later, but it's also not. It's stupid as hell. Um, so they talk about her dreams. It's shit and boring. It takes up 10 minutes of this 30-minute oh, episode. <laughs> she doesn't quite know what he does. Uh, she, you know, she doesn't so- know that he's a mercenary for Monarch. How important is Liam? I feel like he's getting a lot of focus for the first TV episode. Liam is the main, arguably the main character of the TV show. Okay, right, right. Oh, Liam he's, he's and our, Charlie and character you're going to meet. He's our window into the baddies, basically. Kind he's of, our, yeah. he's right. the dark. He's dark Jack Joyce. You know, he's he's he looks a bit like him. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, so, so As re- he is having a really rough day. You've got to shoot a kid in the head, and then you've got to listen to ten minutes yeah. of someone talk about their dreams. Yeah. That is a dreadful. It's day. important to know that he didn't shoot Amy Ferrero. But he was part of the team that like he was like probably the boss of the guy who did right. No, he probably his line manager, right? uh, He's he's not (laughs) one of the big bosses. He's just kind of like. I thought he was like I thought he was like the head of their security. No, he has a boss. He has a boss. Um, He's just a very well known, talented, skilled mercenary. But importantly, Emily does not know what he does for a living. She knows he works for Monarch, but she thinks he's quote a field manager. Her suspicions are raised when he gets a call from Charlie Wilcott. He's found Jack Joyce's transpo. He's barely been home for 10 minutes and already he's back out on a manhunt. So there you go. As Burke heads out to his car, there is a stutter in time. The first of many. Time stops. Really, like, it kind of glitches. It only lasts a couple of seconds and when things go back to normal, nobody notices. And so he's not aware it happens. He's not aware. He also freezes. Okay. Um, nobody's aware that this happen- happens to them. The only people that are really aware of them are... <clears throat> Jack and Paul, because they got time travel powers. But Monarch has been monitoring this to get like little signal freight waves or whatever that tells them if some uh, stuttering time happened. They have been tracking this. So Paul Serene, meanwhile, Paul Serene stands in a building at the Riverport dockyard, staring at a JPEG of a seagull. <laughs> <laughs> oh god he looks so green screened already. it's bad yeah, isn't it it's not great oh. the, ga- the game I'm right in saying is quite beautiful isn't it Like the, the game is gorgeous the, 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 yeah. for the time it was quite advanced graphically the, the way I described it in my critique is that the game kind of goes for like style whereas the show tries to make that style real and it does not translate no. in the TV show at all um, yeah, yeah, another reason why these just these art forms don't have to be the same thing. They don't. It was a terrible idea. But regardless. So uh, Paul sees the fracture, um, but remember, he can move through it. So he hears on a news broadcast that power outages happened last night all over the state. That's weird. After the time machine was set off. Specifically, the time it happened was right after the time machine set off. Riverport and the surrounding small towns like Derry, Ordinary, they all went dark. I really want you to remember... Those names. Derry. Derry, as in like Stephen King main yeah, Derry. Not as in, not as in and Ireland. The town of Ordinary, which would would definitely ring a bell if we covered the Alloway DLC yesterday. Okay. Ordinary is referenced in. Do you remember the blog I told you about? House mm-hmm. of Dreams? Mm-hmm. Yes. Ordinary is where that woman lives. Oh. Uh huh. 
Okay, yeah. Right? Ordinary is me. That's not the only link, is it? It's not the only link. It will become much more important. Is ordinary a real place? place? No, it's not. Okay, cool. Hmm. Actually, I don't know. I did claim that Abkhazia wasn't a real country in Metal Gear Rising, and I was so wrong on that. <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah. maybe it is a real place, but to my knowledge, it isn't. I know it's important to this stuff, and we will come back to Ordinary later. Anyway, let's keep moving on. So the feed, the news feed suddenly cuts to dozens of people who have already started picketing outside Monarch headquarters. So your choice has impacted this, right? Yeah. People hate Monarch now. So, so, so the public are aware that they killed protesters? They know that Monarch was involved, potentially, with the disappearance of protesters. Where are the government? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, they don't know they everything... They are the government. <laughs> yeah. Classic company. Well, so, so all the students know is that, that Monarch went to the university and, and now a bunch of students missing. are missing. Yeah. That's all they know. Um, meanwhile, Martin Hatch, Lance Reddick, enters. There's been a development, he says. Jack, Paul breathes. I've already seen it. Tonight on the island. He'll be there and he'll want revenge. We need him stopped. Now. Hatch is like, Jack Joyce isn't the priority. The priority is this traitor. His transport went missing. Someone in Monarch had to have been involved. If you're focusing on Joyce, then you're not thinking clearly. You need your treatment. The Cronon Syndrome is making you think funny. And uh, Paul stares at him and he's like, you've been the face of Monarch all these years, Martin. But let's get something clear. This is still my ship. The next day, we return to Monarch HQ and the office of Charlie Wilcott. He's creeping on the CCTV cameras, but he is rudely interrupted by this woman, Fiona Miller. Fiona Miller is also one of our key characters. So the TV show is mainly about Charlie, Fiona, and Liam. So, Charlie, uh, he fancies Fiona. Uh, really fancies Fiona, thinks she's hot stuff. Fiona knows it. Did you know about this shootout at the university? She asks. Do you think they're going to cancel the party tonight? Charlie Charlie is like no the Monarch Gala biggest event of the year Hatch knows what he's doing thank you for that exposition Charlie Wilcox so Fiona is like do you want to be my date and Charlie creams his pants he's like sure Fiona see you tonight (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile Liam Burt hot on Jack Joyce's trail finally tracks down this missing transpo to the Riverport dockyard. Yes, by the way, I have written transpo into my script, and I will be using it every single time moving forwards. I hate it. <laughs> I also hate that I immediately characterize so many of our characters in these episodes as, like, sort of little incel redditors, but <laughs> when he got off, like, asked on the date there, I just immediately pictured him, well, of course, my lady, let me find my... Finest fedora. There's some absolute garbage dialogue in this. I'm sorry, I'm going to come back to the dialogue because it is so bad. When Fiona enters the office, she's like, hey, so what's the 411? And Charlie goes, the 411? She goes, yeah, the 411. <laughs> and he goes, what's the 411? This goes on for like two minutes. Meanwhile, <laughs> un- under that, it's going, and, and the laugh track is playing. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so so important. So, so, so Liam Burke tracks down the missing transport at the Riverport dock. He steps out of his sick, cool Nissan car, because they were sponsored by Nissan. <laughs> you got to pay for those effects somehow. Yeah, every, by the way, every car in the TV show is a Nissan. Every single one. The trucks are Nissans, the cars are Nissans, every single one. That's um, unfortunate. Nissan trucks look really weird. Yeah, yeah, it's all very obvious too. It's real bad. Anyway, so um, he, he steps out of his Nissan and enters a nearby warehouse where he finds the Transpo and Beth Wilder. In the exact same framing as yeah. the last time yeah, we yeah, saw yeah. her. Yeah, that was just luck, I think. Down to the way that her earring is set? Mm. That's really weird. This is just how she enters scenes, gun drawn, <laughs> looking very intense. So it's the fact that the focus, 
gun out of focus, ball of the earring in the exact same spot, hair exactly. Like if you went back and took that picture side by side, it's the same picture. Probably. I'm not going to do that. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if they went back. And redid the shot of her in the game based on this? Actually, I would not be surprised if that was the case. After the earring debacle, yeah, absolutely. Beth Wilder is the one that took Jack Joyce's transport. She's the one that kidnapped his unconscious body. So the two have a standoff. It's clear that they know each other. Liam, Burke, and Beth Wilder, they know each other. They've worked together for years. Burke is just kind of like disappointed that she's the traitor. He's like, oh, God damn it, Beth, you're the traitor? Is that Joyce behind you? And Beth is like, fine, you got me, but listen... Time is breaking down. The end of time is coming. Monarch has been preparing for it. They've created something called the Lifeboat Protocol. Jack Joyce is the key to saving the world. You need to let him go. Just to check, mm. was this TV production company named prior? Pure happenstance, yeah. You got Lifeboat Productions making the show, and you got the Lifeboat Protocol, which is a very key plot point. Yes, yes. Oh, damn it. Um, so regardless, uh, so they've created something called the Lifeboat Protocol, Jack Joyce is the key to saving the world. And Burke is like, nah, I don't even know what the end of time is. And Beth's like, yeah, but before this captivating dialogue can continue, a stutter happens. So when it passes, Jack is gone. It's like he vanished into thin air. Beth understands immediately what happened and tries to explain further. But then <gasps> some monarch soldiers enter. They immediately raise their guns and are like, oh, you two must be the traitors. And Joyce just took down a bunch of our guys. You must be working with him. Oh, I hate these logos. Mm. They look really bad on the uniform. They do, don't they? It's like someone's taking yellow tape and like stuck it to it a cagoule. Really, like, why can it not be in the normal logo place, like on the middle of your shirt or something? You will you... notice a lot of inconsistency about where that tape has been strapped on. Oh, uh, yeah, sometimes it's like great. on the back of helmets, the front of helmets. Great. Yeah, it's all over the place. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So 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 they're doing that, um, and then the monarch soldiers arrive. Um, and they're like, you two must be the traitors, because here's the transpo, and Jack Joyce just killed a bunch of my men. So during that stutter, Jack must have just, like, tore through the dock. And Burke and Liam Burke, I'm going to call him just Burke from now on, it might be easier to remember. Burke and Beth try to explain, but the guards don't listen. So instead, they need to momentarily work together to fight their way out. So Beth and Burke, they kick some monarch soldier ass. Burke is a little shaken by what Beth told him. This is all new information to him. Knee-deep in the bodies of their colleagues, he asks... The lifeboat protocol. What is it? But Beth shakes her head. No idea. But Dr. Kim was at the center of it. Another name you need to remember. If you can get into his lab, you'll be able to learn more. Do you know anyone who can get you in? So we cut ahead to a few hours later. Charlie Wilcock watches back footage of Burke and Fiona shooting up some of Monarch men in the warehouse. And he's like, oh my god, the traitors. Um, he's about to send out an alert when, bam, Burke bursts into his office. And he's like, Charlie, I need your help. Some weird shit is going down. But Charlie is one step ahead of him. He sends the CCTV footage of Burke and Beth killing all those soldiers straight to Martin Hatch and Monarch's elite forces. He basically pushes a red button. Burke is alone. No friends, no backup. His only choice is to escape. He runs. He fights his way out of the headquarters, cleaving through security guards on his way. He jumps into his Nissan car, and some monarch <laughs> and some monarch grunts jump into their Nissan cars, and suddenly we have a high-speed Nissan chase along the highway. At one point, does Burke turn to camera and go, "God, the handling smooth." <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, important to note as well. Like during this, the, the Nissan cars don't get hurt. There's monarch soldiers <laughs> like yeah, they're like shooting machine guns at his car. car? Well, it's the, the excellent. Well, it's the excellent build quality of the Nissan. That's <laughs> what it'll be. The, the only thing that happens during this chase is one single window gets shattered, but they are shooting automatic rifles at the back of his car, not a dent. I mean, I will say, 
I've driven a Nissan for years. Pretty fucking Well, good. unless pretty it, good. with the miles per gallon you can get with one of those, this chase could go on all day. This podcast is not sponsored by Nissan. Um, so... But if <laughs> Nissan wants to reach out, you know, maybe hook us up with a few cars. Sure. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so so big, big Nissan high speed chase. Um, it looks like he's going to get away. He runs one of them off the road. He's a pretty good driver, but not good enough. The soldiers corner him in and capture him. End of episode one. Back to gameplay. Um, please, um, please like and subscribe. Um, which is something we don't do often. Please like and subscribe because yeah. we would like to get to a point where Nissan are offering us uh, sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, thank that's, that's thank you. Point. Thank you. Brought to you by Nissan. Part two: a perfect place to hide something. Let's talk Under about Under the mattress. Let's talk about the dry dock incident. Clarice Ogawa says in present day. This is the woman that Jack's interviewing in present day. Oh, she's interviewing him. Monarch operatives transported you to the ground zero operations at the Riverport dock. You were secured, unconscious. How did you escape? We see Jack in the back of the van. The voices of Liam Burke and Beth Wilder sound from outside from the TV show. They're having their wee standoff, but oh no, a stutter happens. Time freezes. Jack uses this as his chance to escape. He pushes out the van, weaves around the two of them, steals uh, their guns in the process, which is why they can't shoot the soldiers when they come straight in. So quicksilvering them. Pretty much. Um, and then he heads That's out. That's an X-Men reference, Chase. He seems, he seems very adept at these powers that he just got. He, that wasn't a power. Time just froze and he went, oh, okay. And he just opened the door and went, well, I'm going to take that. And just went on his oh, merry way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Also, I am realizing that Monarch feels weirdly aware of and like worried about Jack for the fact that, you know... Seemingly, they've not been to the future yet. Well, they've had 17 years of... Yeah, and Paul, of, of... Paul has told them. Okay, but Paul knows Jack, but Paul wouldn't know that Jack is going to turn into secret agent action man. Uh-huh. Well, no, because he, he would know that he got powers, though, right? That version of Paul would have known... before. So why back. didn't why didn't they think we will calmly get Jack on our side yeah, but, instead but... of, oh, we're going to hunt him? To be fair... All the all the plan was was knock Jack out of the university, wake him up, and presumably then talk to him. Shouldn't have killed his brother though. I mean, that was I feel like knocking. A, I feel like killing his brother and knocking him out are two very bad ways to start that Not conversation. Normal conversation starters, I'll grant you. Regardless, Do, are, are sorry, we going to find out why they killed Will? By the way, look, yeah, they, we know why they killed Will. Paul why? said he was like, "You're the one guy that could stop me." Will told us he's working on a countermeasure to the end of time, and he's like, "You, you have a way to stop my plan, the lifeboat protocol, whatever that is." Um, but we we know that that's why he's like, "You're the one guy with the brains to stop my my technological plan." As Jack runs around, we're now in gameplay. Uh, he starts shooting his way out as a bunch of monarch soldiers. He kills them. It's all great. Uh, he finds a monarch earpiece and recognizes Beth Wilder's voice on it. He pops it on and is immediately like, Beth, you're the one my brother was looking for. So that this is where Beth went. She's gone somewhere else into the docks to try and get in touch with Jack. Beth is like, I was the one trying to save your ass before you started to go all guns blazing. You're at ground zero, the heart of Monarch's Cronon harvesting operation. So if you remember, Cronon is kind of like the, we learned this the in episode particle. one. It's the part, the time particle, basically. Yeah. Just think about it that way. Feels um, like a weird place to be. Ground zero for harvesting? For anyone listening along, we're looking at Jack in a warehouse with lots of very inauspicious yellow paint uh, <laughs> on, certain, <laughs> on certain parts of the room. Yeah. Sure, that won't be relevant. So Beth's like, yeah, you're in Ground Zero, the heart of Monarch's Cronon harvesting operation. You're absolutely right, Chase. Why exactly? Like, this is such a random place for that. Is this on the edge of 
a lake, perhaps? No, it's no, not. No, it's not. Uh, no, no. Um, but it is a weird place. You will find out why this area is important soon. So she's like, Paul Serene is on his way. We need to get you out of there. And Jack is like, Paul, Paul killed Will. I'm going to kill Paul. Let's go. And he hangs up on Beth. So he's like, I'm going to shoot him. I'm going to do it. Uh, so he keeps exploring. And then he meets another friend. Yay, friends. So you killed Amy Ferrero. So he doesn't meet her. Um, but he oh, would he meet her? That he would. Yes, yeah, she would become part of the team. Oh my god! There she is. is but uh, nope, you don't meet her. That doesn't. This doesn't happen. So sorry, Amy. Um, he meets instead this guy, Nick Marsters, who's the taxi, taxi driver. driver. Yes, at the very beginning of the game, the guy that nearly hit the protester. I his grumpy face. So he's being held by hostage by two guards. Oh no! But don't worry. Jack busts in, shoots them both in the head. As he's helping Nick to his feet, though, he has a revelation. Nick is the taxi driver that drove him to the university. How the hell did he get captured? They're killing everybody, Nick gasps. Everybody from the university. They pulled me out of my goddamn cab. Monarch was supposed to be the good guys. He pledges loyalty to Jack for saving his ass. And he's now in Team Joyce. Hooray. Right, he's part of the team. In this what do you movie, mean they're supposed to be the good guys? Aren't they just making, like, medicine and TVs? Yeah, like... The good guys? Well, not, like, just TVs, but, you know, like, cars and also Like, they're, they're supposed to be, like... Are they making Nissans? It's, yeah. It's, imagine, like, an Elon Musk fan learning that Elon Musk is doing all this evil stuff. <laughs> You know, like that's his revelation. Um, they I've wouldn't have read... that revelation. <laughs> I've just got an email through from our contact at Nissan. Nissan decries all of Monarch's actions um, and would like to distance itself publicly. We'd like to retract the statement we made about oh, tying me. Monarch to Nissan. Excuse me. I'm very sorry. Uh, in this room, we also find the corpse of Amy Ferrero in a body bag <laughs> to make oh! you feel really guilty. Oh, um, okay. So Jack stops. And remembers his last God words. Goddamn rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> so, so Jack stops and looks at the body and he remembers that his last words to her were, keep fighting the good fight. He swears <laughs> Paul will pay for what he's done. In this room, we also find a bottle of Martin Hatch's eye drops. Just a random thing that like, was relevant right. to that character. Um, what is up with these eye drops? Don't also, don't leave your medication lying around yeah. in a warehouse. But if we look at the label, we see that weirdly the drops have chronon particles in oh, them. Wait, oh. That's strange. Why is he, is he, is he trying to get Paul's eye powers? Also, is that listed on the ingredients or does it he is. just... <laughs> it is. It is. It's like a prescription bottle and on the back it's that, that, seems, that seems doubly stupid to leave that lying <laughs> yeah. around. So, regardless... Um, Wait, Jack... I'm just clocking. Is this the same warehouse where they killed Amy in the TV? Yes, it is. This is the same God, room where they so killed so Amy. Can he see through time? Is that what, why he's going in his eyes? I don't know, but he's putting quantum particles into his eyes. So, anyway, not relevant. It's just a wacky char- char- aspect he's of that character. He's just silly, goofy guy. <laughs> just forget about it. Just forget, forget about it. Don't worry about it. So, anyway, Jack sends his new companion off to find Beth. Uh, she's getting a hold of some transpo to get them all out of the dry docks. <laughs> Do they use transport in the game as well? They do not. They say transport in the game. What? Very important. Yes, they do. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Why did did Liferaft take that? Let me tell you why, Neil, because I was explaining this to Chase during our break. Because Lifeboat Productions had their own writers who wrote the TV episodes. Sam Lake did not write the TV episodes. Somebody did, else wrote them. Did he the not get a chance to awful. look over his... Yeah, why was this not okayed by Sam Lake? I was, was going to mention this later. But, but if you're going to try and sort of foment this new kind of freaking art form, this yep. new, brand new way of experiencing media, let's maybe make sure that both aspects of it are halfway good. I remember during If it's Alan the Wake, first one. I remember during Alan Wake, Neil, that you really liked transmedia. I think you were like, I love it when they do like little extra thingies. Well, I... I... Yeah, I like it because that that was sort of quite meta mm. and quite you know supplementary. There's nothing. This is just yeah. It's not core. This is yeah. This just sucks. 
So anyway, um, so Beth's getting some transpo. Um, she knows her time is up We're in, in Monarch. Game. You can't say that no, I'm going to say the whole transport. time. <laughs> so she knows her time is up in Monarch. The plan is to rendezvous together on the other side of the dock, but Jack has a bit of revenge to take first. His journey to Paul takes him first to a trailer holding all of Will's belongings from his car, including his briefcase. There's nothing really of interest except for a key. A key labelled Bradbury Swimming Hall. Grabbing the key, Jack continues on, eventually arriving at the mysterious Ground right, Zero. It's very convenient that he labelled where it goes. Yeah, labelled his only yeah. key in that bag. He's obviously his... <laughs> he might forget. Yeah. So, Ground Zero is a warehouse. We learn that it's on complete lockdown from Monarch. Nobody in or out. In the past, anyone who accidentally wandered in here would vanish, just disappear altogether. That's weird. The corona levels are sky high, but nobody in Monarch knows why. And when we see it for ourselves, the mystery deepens. A workshop or lab clearly was once here, but now time is a mess. It's not frozen, it's happening all at once. Looping, rewinding, fast-forwarding, going into slow motion. We see phantoms of moments bleed in and out of existence. Everything that ever did happen or ever would happen in this location is almost playing at the exact same time. We see Will, flashes of Will, a phantom Will, working on something, some secret project. Drawing on a blackboard, wiping it off. It's hard to pick up exactly what he's saying, but one phrase sticks out. The countermeasure, Will says. I hope to God this works. Does Jack understand what's happening here, or is he still so dumb that he goes up to Will and goes, Oh, hey, Will, you're back. <laughs> no, 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 he doesn't. Um, he, he just, he, you know, he's, he's understanding this. He, he thought that Will, uh, quote, wasted his research grant, his career, obsessing over some failed experiment. Oh. So he's basically like, God, Will, what, what are you doing? This Whoa, is a waste what? of time. Just, his brother's been dead 12 hours, and he's like, wasted your life, didn't you? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> no, he, it's, it's, You got it's a like shit that. car, and he wasted your life. <laughs> This is what happens when you drunk drive it. Son. <laughs> I, I told you we yeah. I told you we go briefcase shopping. Um, so yeah, so it's so a flash of will. Um, but Will is not the only phantom haunting this space. A vision of Paul is here too, held at gunpoint by Beth Wilder, holding a device. Come with me, Paul says. You're the only other one who's seen what I've seen. And somewhere far, far away, we hear Jack in pain, screaming at Paul to stop. Oh, future. And then just like that, the vision is gone. And that's when Paul calls Jack on his phone. I know you're mad at me, he says, but I'll explain when the time is right. You'll meet me tonight at the Monarch Gala. A gala, Jack laughs. The world is ending and you're having a fucking party. Because when time ends, my plan doesn't, Paul says, and hangs up. Jack almost throws his phone across the room, he's so angry. He charges ahead, eventually bursting into a shipping yard. Containers are piled one on top of the other. A helicopter flies overhead, time slows down for a second, and Jack sees Paul. He pulls out his gun and roars at his old friend, just opens fire, just trying to kill him straight away. Um, Jack, Paul, kind of, with that little Aiden Gillen smirk that he has, you know, like little finger smirk, um, he just kind of like, he doesn't even need to dodge, the bullets don't hit him, they just miss. Paul's chopper starts to get away, and as he does, he blasts a concentration of chronon, or time powers, at a nearby crane, bringing down a heap of containers. To make matters worse... Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To make matters worse, Paul's attack is joined by another stutter. Okay, cool, but how does time powers make containers fall? Oh, I think you could do that. I mean, all he's doing is he's basically knocking a crane, like, out of time for a second. So it's okay. almost like if you pushed something, yeah, froze yeah. it, then sped it up. 
calls But he doesn't have physical movie powers. He has time powers. So he froze it in time and then unfroze it. It should no, be no, in the no. same place. Yeah, you could just say he moved the crane through time without moving the boxes on it. Yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting that neither of you are questioning the concept that Paul firmly believes that nothing can be changed. No matter what, Jack's going to come to the gala tonight. Yeah. But Paul has a Junction episode where he literally changes something. He looks into two potential futures and goes... Well, in this one, Amy Ferrer was alive, and this one, she's dead. That yeah. changes Amy Ferrer's life, her entire yeah, destination. Doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, it's a bit weird that Paul's like nothing can be changed except for like these things I can change. Mm. Just interesting, just something well, to think about. I suppose if you want to think predetermination, nothing can be changed. He may have seen two futures, but he always chose the one. True, but in the concept of the game, and this is a criticism I made in my critique, concept of the game, that's not the case, right? Because mm. in the concept of the game, we have two but, options, and we can pick both. But how do you know that whatever you choose wasn't always the predestined future? You're not wrong, Chase, and I really like that answer. It's a good, it's a good answer. Yeah, Choices and illusion. We're, we're looking into the meta of time travel. Well, no, it's, it's not the meta. It's also the, core, the game's core question. And I do want you to keep considering that. The big question that the game asks is, can, th- can you change things? Can you change things? Paul believes no. no. Jack, we don't know what Jack believes, because right now he's just a potato, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but anyway... Now? Is he going to stop? <laughs> Are they going to bake him? He might start thinking. Let this man cook! <laughs> so, this happens a couple of times in the game. These are like the set piece moments. This is what the game was sold on. So, sometimes a stutter will just be time freezing, but other times a stutter will be just that. Reality will stutter. Parts of the world will play in an endless loop. Like, the frame rate of the world has dropped to like two frames per second. This is one of those instances. They are the game's moneymakers. They're really cool, really impressive. They, they are pretty badass. Um, Jack basically needs to navigate a shipping yard where time is trying to, like, stab him using objects that flit in and out of existence. It's crashing on him, but not crashing on him. So you need to dodge around the containers, bits of exploding metal, etc. It's really, really cool, but Jack's our hero, so he makes it through, reuniting with Beth and Nick Marsters in a nearby car. Beth looks out at the carnage, um, as because the times the stutter stops and all the containers just fall and it's just a mess. Um, and she's like, my exact words were don't do anything stupid. And Jack's like, I've never been a great listener. <laughs> yeah. um, we so, can tell, Jack. So Beth's like, look, well, now's the time to start being a great listener. Get in the car. And Jack says, look. Everybody in this game is so sassy. Mm. Well, so so he gets in the car and he, he says, look, and he pulls his gun on Beth. And he what? says, yeah. He goes, I'm sorry, but I don't trust you. But before he can finish that sentence, Beth, with just one hand, grabs the gun out of Jack's grip, <laughs> smacks him upside the head with it. Yes! Beth doesn't know that gun means shut the hell up. <laughs> she thinks it means take it and smack him. So, uh, yeah, so she, like, one hand, she's got one hand on the steering wheel, like, begin to take off, and she just, like, grabs it, doesn't even look at him, smacks him upside the head and places it on the dashboard. <laughs> um, and then she goes, that's for not listening to me and going after Paul. <laughs> Will is still the best character, but Beth's second best character. Beth should have been the main character of the game. Stand by this. To the end, I think you will agree with me. By the but then you would have two games with Beth as the main character. Mm. Because Jesse is Beth. So? I'm going to say it. <laughs> and this is a pre-prediction. Bessie? Bessie? Bessie. <laughs> yeah, so she hits him with the thing and goes, that's for not listening to me. Oh, and thanks for the tag along, by the way. She indicates to Neil Marsters, who like sitting in the back seat of the car. <laughs> and she's like, I'm starting to feel like a babysitter. And Nick kind of leans forward and goes, she scares me, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I like how this taxi driver who took him one time now seems like such great pals with Jack. I know, I know, oh, we've I know. been pals for years. Yeah, it's 
good. Yeah. Remember that time that like I drove you? Yeah, he's a taxi driver. So, um, and, and for, for for a giggle, um, if it's Amy in the back seat, uh, she responds. So she's like, I feel like I'm so, I'm starting to feel like a babysitter. And if you keep Amy alive, she goes, babysitter. I got good intel for you off that damn computer, you bitch. <laughs> Wow. Oh, I feel really bad. Wow. That, I feel really bad that we killed off Amy now. Wow. Yeah, Amy is like, takes no shit either. But no, Amy's dead. No. It's Nick. Are they basically the same character with a different face and voice actor? No, they're completely different characters. But do, but they, do serve they serve the same? The same they do purpose? serve the same, same story, story function. function. Yes. Oh, okay, but um, they have different personalities. Uh, different personalities, different backstories, different stuff going on. They're okay. not that important. They're just kind of a bit of fun. Um, but they're part of the team. So okay. Jack has an idea of where to go next. In um, the Bradbury swimming hall, where he got the key for. Will's key leads there, so maybe his countermeasure is there too, and they can use it to stop the end of time. So, <laughs> so the Bradbury swimming hall was, in fact, Will's time travel workshop. We see experiments where he tried to send mice back in time, scribbles on the wall, but one particular thing stands out. A video. A video that Will recorded in 2010 for Beth. And Will, on the screen, leans forward and he says... You told me to stay away from my workshop, but I couldn't just leave it there. The entire place is a disaster zone. The countermeasure is gone. I just need to know you have it, because if it falls into the wrong hands, this can't all be for nothing. You know where to find me. Please, hurry. Beth is scared by this. Will knew her, it seems, but Beth tells us that she's never met him. And then our trio find it. A second goddamn time machine. Will's time machine. Here, built in the swimming hall. Jack is like, perfect, we don't need a countermeasure. I helped Paul set up a time machine one time, so let's get this working, go back in time and fix everything before it even happens. Probably exactly the same layout, all the buttons and everything. Uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah, it's based on the same design because Paul, remember Paul and Will worked with the time machines right, together, right. so that kind of makes sense, okay, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so so Jack is like, this is great. Like, screw the time countermeasure. We just set up the time machine, go back in time, save Will, kill Paul in the past. Easy peasy, right? Um, but Beth is like, Jack, you need to think this through. But Jack is already banging on dials and turning keys. <laughs> Jack, Jack, can we put our listening ears on? This is Jack, Jack, Jack is Sora trying to work the Tron machine, just hitting up the keyboard. So Beth just gives like a long sigh and she's like, fine, look, I still think we need the countermeasure, but we might as well see if this thing works, right? So it doesn't. The time machine does not work. They cannot get it up and running. Jack does Is there a corridor? There's there's a corridor, okay, right, yeah, this, but it doesn't act, it doesn't activate it doesn't activate. So Jack does everything that Paul taught him at the start of the game. Everything we do it right, but for some reason it doesn't turn on. They try everything. They turn it off and on again. The whole <laughs> shebang. But uh, nope. Will's time machine doesn't work. Jack is ready to punch the computer screen, but Beth stops him and is like, "This is clearly beyond us. We can't fix it." She says, "But I might know someone who can." Sophia Amaral. Monarch's head of Cronon Research. She'll be at the Monarch Gala tonight. And Jack is like, perfect, well, I got an invite to the gala. Paul told me I'd see him again at the gala, so I'm going to go to the gala. And Beth's like, Jack, no, and we cut to black. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we cut to black for Junction 2, where we play as Paul Serene. We start with a flashback. Paul tells us that he's been to the end of time and he's escaped it, all the way to 1999, which means Quantum Break is set in 2016, the, the year of the game's release, right? Wait, wait, so 1999 is when time ends? No, 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 no. he went back to 1999 at the start of the game, but and then he aged but, 17 years. But, but you said he's been to the end of time? Yes. Okay. okay. So we start with a flashback. Paul tells us that he's been to the end of time and he escaped it going all the way back to 1999. 
Oh, so 27 So he went to the end of time and somehow managed to get out of the end of time and back to 1999. He went back 17 years. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, he, so at the start of the game, when he went into the machine, he went to the end of time and there was like, ah, and then like reprogrammed the time machine to go back to 1999. <laughs> Just like that. Pretty much. Um, other things happened too. So we see his young self limping, clutching a bullet wound in his gut, desperately typing into a time machine. Time also has a gun. So... Well, that's it. So this is Paul at the end of time, and somehow he got shot? How did that happen? Hmm, that's a question. He types into the time machine. Beth definitely shot. He tells us that he tried to change things, but in trying, he only made them happen in the first place. Classic time travel. Mm. So we cut ahead to present day. The future used to be so clear when I was reliving the past, Paul says into his little tape recorder. But once I caught up to the moment I had left, that ended. All I've had to go on since then are visions. He's standing on his private island. In a few hours, the sun will set and the Monarch Gala will be in full swing. Paul stands at his window, looks out and sees Jack Joyce walk through his front, great front gate with his arms above his head. You were right, Hatch says, and he almost sounds disappointed. Joyce says he discovered his brother's time machine. Paul is shocked. We spent 17 years looking for it and he finds it in one day. I have to talk to him, interrogate him. Hatch shakes his head. You're micromanaging again. Don't forget why we're here tonight. Monarch's people need reassurance that we're in control, that the plan is on track. Let me handle Joyce so you can concentrate on your speech. So here's your choice, gents. Choice one is Paul interrogates Jack, which is the personal choice. So Paul will talk to Jack in a locked room. He'll try to convince him to see reason, to understand what's going on. Martin Hatch would give the speech at the Monarch Gala. We see him winced over. We see Martin Hatch winced over while giving his speech. Choice number two is business. Hatch will interrogate Jack. Hatch talks to Jack in a locked room. We see him standing up, a gun in his hand. It's important for me to know, so I don't think I was clear. We get like, when you pick these, you can see bits and you see like flashes of images, mm. static images. This, this is what you're seeing. Um, so Paul thinks that this choice would make Jack a lost cause um, if, if Hatch is the one that interrogates Jack. Dead and buried with the rest of his past, Paul would give a speech at the gala. Monarch would grow stronger with his presence. The plan would go forward as intended. So, boys, what's your choice? I know what I want. What do you? Who do you want to see interrogate Jack? That's all this changes. For me, I, for me, I want um, Paul to. Okay, cool. We're in agreement. No rock paper scissors needed yeah, this time. Go. You want? You want to see? Let's Paul. go personal. Yeah, so personal. personal. Okay. Uh, Business feels quite boring. Yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> no, no. Per personal's great because you get to see Aiden Gillen and uh, uh, Sean Ashmore act, or you get to see Lance Reddick and Sean Ashmore act. I like Lance Reddick, but story-wise, you know, it, it, I, I care less about Martin. This is one of the less important ones. I, I, I don't care also, about Martin, I care about Lance Reddick. Yeah, Start so. caring more about Martin. Martin is arguably the only thing that matters, really, for the sake of these lore doubles. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, oh. um, anyway, so so don't worry, you don't learn anything special in the interrogation scene, yeah. I'll tell you that much. Okay. And anything you do, I would clarify with you. So, personal. This is where Paul interrogates Jack. So, let's talk about the TV show. Mm. So we open with Paul. He's wearing what looks like an oxygen tank, taking oh. deep, slow breaths. He's not looking too good. He's not. Dr. Sophia Amaral holds his hand, watching him anxiously. This is the woman that Jack and Beth want to kidnap. So, the treatments, she says. They're losing their effectiveness. I need to find another way to help you. Paul is like, don't worry about me. Enjoy yourself tonight. He's like gasping and wheezing. And he's like, you work too much. Sophia shakes her head, passes her hand over some files. The temporal anomalies, the stutters, they're happening more often than we predicted. We need to start considering that the end of time is going to happen sooner than we thought. 
Paul shakes his head. No, I've seen when it happens. We don't have much time, but we have enough to finish the lifeboat protocol. Jack knows where William's machine is. We find that, we'll be fine. I have to go and talk to Jack. We cut ahead to later that night. The Monarch Gala. Party time. Charlie and Fiona are mingling. They're on their date. Charlie's trying his best to flirt. Uh, He's bad at it. Those are not gala clothes. No. no this is not a very fancy No, this gala. is like after work no. pint clothes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's trying his best to flirt. He's terrible at it. This is but, just an office party. This is rubbish. Yeah, but yeah. it's not going to go to a private this island. Is, this isn't right. even like in a gala hall. This is just in the office. No, this is on a private island. Is this the square lamp they rendered? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, I don't know where the white box lamp was meant to be. I only learned that from a GDC talk um, where they talked about the experience of working with Lifeboat and it's... They're so nice in that GDC yeah, talk. Course. Yeah, because they're probably like, oh, it's our bad. We sent them a tip. It's like, it's very clear that there were some obvious frustrations during the development of this is, game. Is Lifeboat still around? They are. Oh. They haven't done anything sincere into, uh, serious since Quantum Break. Oh, like okay. that much. They've done like short films and stuff. Anyway, so Char- Charlie's trying to flirt. He's crap at it. But Fiona is giving him some signals. Ooh. Uh, playing some drinking games and all that sort of stuff. So Charlie thinks he might get lucky. Ooh, Fiona's like, let's go for a walk. Uh, and Charlie follows. So elsewhere on the island. Sorry, Neil, do you have something to say? No. You just give a big no, sigh. No, I, 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 I just had a vision of him, like, texting his mom to say that there'd be a guest back tonight. <laughs> yeah. oh. um, elsewhere on the island, best scene in the game. Martin Hatch meets with Sophia Amaral. I need your help, she says. Paul listens to you. I know we haven't always seen eye to eye, but the end of time is coming sooner than we thought. Paul doesn't believe me. We have to do something. Hatch drinks from his adult juice. (laughs) And he says, And what is it that we could do? Sophia, you know what we could do. Hatch smiles. Sophia, it's not really a matter of whether or not Paul will listen to me. It's that I won't listen to you. I find your approach to matters counterproductive. He steps forward, a tower of a man looming over her. If I'm being honest, I rue the day Paul gave you a modicum of function in this company. Now go away. I need to prepare for my speech. Wait. What is it you're so threatened by, Martin? Sophia asks. Hatch leans in close, and we get the iconic line. Do I look threatened to you? And it's like got that Lance Reddick, like, you know, that real rumble of, oh, it's great. Um, But yeah, like, do I look threatened to you? And it's like, he's almost amused. Oh, the fact that you can hear Lance Reddick saying it in your head. It's so good. Um, This is probably the episode we might watch during our lunch break because it's got this scene and it's got some of the worst scenes. It's great. (laughs) I Uh, think if there was a sort of uh, graph you could make of different sort of masculine voices, mm. uh, I think Lance Reddick and I would be on opposite ends of that spectrum. Yeah. I've got a dad who I love a lot, but I would happily let Lance Reddick adopt me. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I just want to go for a drink with this guy. Sorry, Monty's dad. Sorry, Monty's dad. Uh, So anyway, um, so he says, do I look threatened to you? She leaves and Hatch picks up his phone. We have control of the presentation, he says. Make it look good. Meanwhile, Liam Burke is pestering the security guard outside of his cell. He's also on the island in a containment unit. Why? Why? Because remember, he got arrested at the end of episode Why, why is he on the island? Because he wanted to go to the gala. Yeah. What? I don't know. They just brought him to the island for convenience's sake. So, Stupid. He, so there's a guard here called Crocker. And he's like, Crocker, I need to take a shit. 
<laughs> the guard, Crocker, ignores him. Nice. But Burke just starts yelling like, Crocker, 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 like over and over again, like a five-year-old. Um, and yeah, eventually the guard is like, what? If I need to come in there, you're going to fucking regret it. And Burke is like, listen, it's just a big misfucking understanding. I'm going to be out by tomorrow. I'll put in a good word for you. All I'm asking is, please let me take a fucking shit. And yes, that is about how many F-words are in that those two lines. I quoted that. Scintillating writing. Yeah, it's not great. Um, anyway, the guard opens the door, and as he does, Burke knocks him out, marching out of the cell. At this, at this sort of hyper-advanced future company, they don't have the facilities that literally every prison in the world has where you put your hands through and you get handcuffed before you get... Uh, no, this guard's... Crocker's just an idiot. Even more so, they don't have the thing that every prison has, a toilet in the cell? Yeah, mm. yeah. That is the bigger question. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so Burke knocks him out uh, and he escapes. He gets his gun and he escapes. Uh, he runs out of the containment unit into the woods where, just his luck, he bumps into Charlie and Fiona. Oh. He holds them at gunpoint and gets them marching. Uh, Charlie knows the way to Dr. Kim's lab, the mysterious Dr. Kim. We don't know much about, but apparently he might be able to help with the, the end of time or something. Um, so Charlie's a hacker, so he might be able to get them access into the lab. So off our trio go... We've now got them all together. Hooray. Uh, Fiona is like, you work with Beth Wilder. I saw you to Burke. Which means Fiona knows who Beth Wilder is. Mm. Burke is like, you know Beth? And Fiona glances awkwardly at Charlie and nods. She's the reason I'm here, she says. They reach the lab. Charlie lets them in. Charlie, you've been played, son. Yeah, he has. So they reach the lab. Charlie lets them in. Fiona is leading the way. It seems like she knows this place like the back of her hand, which is kind of suspicious. Uh, and as they enter Dr. Kim's lab, we see a huge metal container. We can't see exactly what's inside, but something is shifting in there, glitching in and out of existence. Fiona logs onto one of the computers, opens some files, some photographs, and starts to cry. What's in that chamber? Charlie asks. It's Dr. Kim, Fiona says. She rushes down to the chamber. Burke stares at the computer and says... Chronon Disrupted Life Form, a.k.a. A Shifter, he reads. Extremely hostile. Oh, so this is our this is our villain, our, our, our grunts of the game, is that these are our... No. Oh. Uh, what I will tell you is... Uh, I'll just spoil this for you. Uh, we never see a shifter in action, technically. Oh. We ne- you think this is build up some cool boss fight with like a monster or something? Oh. No, no. But the, the implication is... I don't have this in my script, but the implication is that by the time the end of time comes around, everyone gets turned into one of these. What's... Oh, right. What's interesting is that because this, and I don't think I've ever seen it in a game or or you rarely see it in a TV show, presumably because this show was paid for by Microsoft, it's actually a Microsoft operating system on screen, oh. which normally in a video game, it's like a Fake ridiculous one. made up thing. You yeah. know, that's actually, that's, uh, just, that's actually as Office, you that's know, that's, Windows, yeah, 10. that's it's Windows 10 yeah, or whatever it was. So, Dr. Kim got turned into a shifter, whatever a shifter is. Um, But yeah, we'll we'll learn a bit more about them later. So, a mile away, uh, Paul quietly enters Jack Joyce's interrogation room. He sits at the table and sighs. I've been to the past, tried to change things, undo mistakes. I've learned that no matter what I do, nothing changes. Time is a closed loop. No matter what I do, you and I, we always end up here. And no matter what I do, time ends. I think you've lost your mind, Jack states. 
And Paul is like, my mind is intact, I assure you. My memory, however, it's stretched, like I've seen too much. All of it blending into one. But there's one moment in particular that I remember. He smiles. You and I were 11 or 12 years old. We found that homeless guy, the one who jumped. When I went back, that was the... Yeah. Yeah. When I went back, that was the first thing I tried to change. I went to the roof, talked him down, but my presence startled him and he fell. Same as before. He leans back. Nothing can be changed, Jack. Help me. I'm not turning my back on the human race, but at this point, they are a necessary sacrifice. Can I ask a question and maybe you aren't able to give me the answer yet? When we say time is a closed loop, mm-hmm. are we saying exactly everything happened the same way every time, all the time? So my question, my question is, when they were children, was it unknown to them a future version of Paul on the roof that caused that homeless guy to fall? Or... Is it just that the same thing has to happen, which doesn't make any sense? I can tell you my assumption. The game never spells this out, but I think the game pretty much says that, like, older Paul always startles the homeless man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, which is, like, makes sense. That, like... Oh, no, I like the other way. Oh, the other way doesn't make any sense. There's more evidence for the other way. The other way is how Steins Gate does time travel, Mm -hmm. which is that there are, like, fixed points, and whatever the... Whatever, like, the things leading up to that fixed point, they will always ultimately end up at the fixed point. I line. don't like that no, because wow. my problem with the fixed points is that like what is the fixed point? What makes a fixed point a fixed point? It's always too I lo- I love Steins Gate a lot by the way. I'm not I don't I don't know what that is. It's a time travel anime. It's great. It's very good. Very very good. It's one season. It's fantastic. Oh. There's other that's good. Things. Yeah. That's so often the thing that puts me off trying new shows. Yeah. And also, in a, it's in ten a, seasons and also in a mon- sixty episodes in a, a season. Band. The English dub is better than the Japanese dub. It is outside of one line. There wow. is one line in the Japanese that's better. But anyway, uh, so um, yeah, my problem with that is that your fixed points, your big moments, like what are they? So, for example, for Amy Ferrero, her death is a big moment for her, but Paul influenced that. Surely that should always happen. That's a big moment in her existence. Yeah, there seems to be two different kind of ideas. Well, maybe if Paul didn't kill her, she could sit by a truck or something. Well, this is the thing, right? Because if you don't kill Amy Ferrero, spoilers, right? If you don't kill Amy Ferrero, Amy Ferrero survives the game. She doesn't always die by the end of the game. She survives the events. It's just a a mess of how Quantum Break handles it. Really? Because he's just given a speech about no matter how many times I try, I can't change things. Well, that's that's evidently not true because yeah. you could have gone back in time to that protester moment and done the other thing yeah yeah so it's not like you but again you could argue is that him making that choice or is that you as a player making the choice because but... in in the world of the game mm-hmm. did he always choose that choice or do we know that in the timeline that he did there no, 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 but... if he went back and chose the other would it necessarily go the way when it does when you yeah, your explanation works best for me, Chase, for understanding how Quantum Break understands its rules. I just think it makes the game weaker by giving us influence over the game. Don't, don't give him look into the future powers then, where yeah. it's present because you could be right. It could be a, a player choice outside of the narrative of the game, but don't then tie it into like he's seeing into his choices and he's gone back to try and influence his choices. But like we we complainly make different choices and I don't know I think yep. I think it just doesn't tie in with the narrative moving on slightly just to, for the sake of time um so paul is like I'm not turning my back on the human race but at this point they are a necessary sacrifice and jack is like is that what will was and he whispers it through like gritted teeth he's ready to just like launch himself if he wasn't cuffed he'd launch himself across the table a necessary sacrifice answer me this question paul in everything you've seen do i stop before you're dead. And Paul doesn't answer. He gets up, starts to leave. 
When you're ready to cooperate, I'll be here. We cut back to Fiona, Charlie, and Liam. Was that it? Was that your interrogation? That's your interrogation. I, I really did not. I pretty much beat for beat. I took that. Uh, yes. So, uh, Burke, Fiona, Charlie, they're there. They're staring at the shifter picture. And Burke's like, who was he? And Fiona's like, he was my mentor. In college, I was uh, I was in a bad place. He, he helped turn me around. Charlie has been trying to crack Kim's computer. Find files that would initially be hidden. I found it. A ghost file. Remnant of a mass deletion. Somebody was here. We've got something called a, 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 a chronon field regulator? It says here that it's like the core of Monarch's time tech. It has something to do with this lifeboat protocol, but I can't find any more information. That looks like whatever Beth was holding in the future Lucky 40. What, at Ground Zero? Yeah. Good spot. You're welcome. Um, time is up for them, though. Uh, they don't get to hang around. Monarch security is on its way. They must have tripped a sensor. Uh, the three of them go to make a break for it. Liam grabs some Chronon harnesses, which is basically, we learn this through gameplay, it's basically like a vest that makes you immune to the stutters and time freezing. So you can put, put these on and you're fine. Uh, and then you're just Jack. Then you're basically so, just so Jack. Jack without, without, no, yeah, Jack, without Jack has, powers. Jack has stop time powers as well. Uh, yeah. This just makes you immune to stutters. You know, when time freezes and everyone freezes. So Jack, Jack could still freeze you though. This is just natural. Uh, Jack couldn't, no, Jack couldn't freeze you. Yeah. Uh, which is actually true because there are enemies that wear these and you cannot freeze them. You can do other stuff to them. Um, so anyway, so it makes you immune to stutters in time. You can tickle them. Yeah. <laughs> so the trio race from the lab and we cut to black. End of TV episode two. Part three, the wine and cheese crowd. So we pick up immediately with Jack in the interrogation room. Paul has just left. Uh, this chapter is really cool, but not much specifically story-based happens, so it's not going to take us long at all. Um, he's got Beth on the comms, the party's still in full swing, the plan is simple, find Sophia Amaral and kidnap her. The <laughs> island is basically yeah, the island is basically one massive Bond lair. It's like one big Bond villain lair. Uh, we fight through underground labs, where we find out Monarch has been weaponizing Chronon to create suits that make you move through time. Is that a robot dog? Uh, no, it's not, no. Oh, that's two people in season. It's just far away. <laughs> two people putting a guy into a big suit. Oh, mechs. Uh, yeah, not, not mechs. There's a guy inside it. Well, yeah, mech. Yeah, it's, it's, sorry, it's a guy in a suit. You're absolutely right. So uh, exactly a mech. <laughs> we fight through underground labs where we find out Monica's been weaponizing Chronon to create suits that make you move through time. Basically giving someone temporary powers like Jack has. We unlock some new abilities like the ability to create a time shield or a time dash, which is, ironically enough, the only way you can sprint in the game. What? Otherwise, Jack just kind of jogs about. Oh. In here, we find... A little passion project that one of the Monarch employees have been working on. This isn't plot relevant, it's just funny. Um, it's an audiobook called Adventures in Flesh. And I am going to read a little excerpt to oh, you. Oh, goody. What? So it's an audiobook. So we find one of the Monarch employees have written this and they've recorded themselves doing it. And I'm going to do a similar tri- ty- type of voice. Put on your best Monty Zander video essay voice <clears throat> for this. Oh no, I'm going to do his voice. Oh no. So... <laughs> In his impeccable suit of softest velvet, with the horn-rimmed glasses, he had the indisputable authority. Behind those glasses were his eyes, and those eyes glinted with feverish anticipation. I squirmed in my restraints. Don't leave this at work, my guy. So, he said. Here we are. You're gagged and helpless. And I can't wait to send my adventuring party into the soft, damp underbelly of yours, Citadel. Oh! He, I, 
you're you're getting you're finding way too much enjoyment you, in this. This is exactly how it's read. I, I'm sorry. You should you should not be. HR should have had a word <laughs> with this guy for writing. Good for you, by the way, writing smut, but maybe not at work. I have not put anything in here. Doesn't matter. I'll tell you about it later. He paused and licked his thin lips, and I brought along my ten-foot pole. He said. Oh! <laughs> anyway, so Jack is up a walking. What is walking. what is that about? Or is, is that just there? So it's sort of yeah. set in flavor. It, it's yeah. like the Mech Lab, but it's, it's, uh, it's an erotic novel. <laughs> Anyway, Jack has set up a walkie-talkie next to the recording so it plays in all the modern comms. Uh, that is a choice you make in the game. I'm assuming we're doing that, right? Great. Of we are. Lovely. Of course we are. Uh, so, Why would um, that not be a choice? There is another one that I haven't got any excerpt for because we don't have time, but you also find on the laptops um, somebody else has written some fan fiction for a thing called Time Knife which is like a knife that like you stab people with it and it like messes with time track. It doesn't matter. It's not a... So it's Prince of Persia? Uh, a little bit Prince of Persia. Um, but yeah, so it, it doesn't matter. You also find that. They're fun collectibles. Yeah. Um, but whatever. That's, so, that's classic remedy. You've got to have those in there. Yeah. So basically, you set up a walkie-talkie and now that's playing out on the modern comms. And when you do it, you hear Clarice Ogawa, the woman that's interviewing him in present day. She's not really present in the, the actual story, but she's about, like, in, she's on the comms a lot to speak to the men. And she's like, who's playing that? Turn that off at once. <laughs> she's like furious. Anyway. I love who, this who, game. who is Claire Ogawa? She's, she's like, head like, head of Monarch Security. That's her oh, job. Okay, right. uh, but she doesn't really know what's going on. She just knows that she's like leading the security you force. Being, you remember being like twelve years old and playing Oblivion for the first time, or however old thirteen, or whenever that came out, and reading the Lusty Argonian Maid Part One, um, and desperately hunting around for Part Two. And mm. Yeah, revealed a little too much about myself there. If Paul is the one who interrogates Jack, which was your choice, um, we get to catch Martin Hatch's speech. It comes up on one of the televisions, yeah. so you can stop and watch it. Um, if you do the Hatch interrogates good, good Jack. Speech. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you about speech in a sec, but if, if you do the, um, if Hatch is the one who interrogates Jack, this is where you get to watch Paul's speech, and it's the one where it's the bad take. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a little TV in, but it's live action. I guess we can chalk that up to him being distracted by not going after Jack, but I mean... You could, it's just, yeah, it's clearly it's so, kind of like, it's yeah. either Aiden Gillen acting badly, or they used a bad take, and to be honest, I think Aiden Gillen's quite a good actor, so I'm assuming it's a bad take. I think it's quite funny that they kept the bad, I feel like it's very intentional they kept the bad take. You say that! I don't know how much is intentional about the live action stuff. Anyway, it doesn't matter because we're doing Martin Hatch's speech. So Martin Hatch's speech is pretty generic. Literally nothing that important is said. Um, it's just like, we're looking towards the future, etc., etc. Those who know what the lifeboat protocol is understand his words. Bear in mind by this point, we still don't know exactly what that is. Um, but who, they, they know what he's talking about. He's kind of talking in platitudes, but he's clearly talking about the lifeboat protocol. He's telling them that everything's on schedule, that they still have time. Um, Monarch is very successful. Hooray! Like, stocks are up, etc. But as he finishes up his speech, a gunshot rings out. He takes a hit to the chest, flies back, and the camera feed cuts oh. out. Oh! Does the same thing happen to Paul in that time? No, it does not. Oh. Quick aside, mm. the... The university incident doesn't at all affect their stock price. I can see that maybe having a bit of an effect. Stocks are up. People love when you kill children. That's a good point. <laughs> Eventually, uh, Beth rings in on the comms. So we're still like working through the modern gala. Um, she's tracked down Sophia. She's in her private office, just past the party. Jack goes to join her, uh, goes to join Beth, and a stutter happens. Everyone is frozen, including Beth. 
Jack reaches her, touches her, just like he did with Will, and she reanimates. She's back. She's fine. Um, luckily, Jack also picked up a Cronon harness, so he puts it on Beth, and she's temporarily immune to time stuff. Hooray. So anytime Star happens now, Beth can be present in the scenes. Mm. He doesn't need to keep touching her. Um, which is great. Good. Uh, the pa- yeah, exactly. Just just a convenience. Uh, the pair journey on, eventually reaching Sophia's lab, and what they find is concerning. Time is still frozen. Sophia is crouched down, terrified, falling back as a huge monarch drone bears down on her, about to open fire. Jack steps forward, touches Sophia, unfreezes her, and she immediately loses it. She's like, "You, you're Jack Joyce. Are you here to kill me?" And Jack's like, "What? No. We we do need your expertise." Sophia is like, no, but Jack pulls out his gun and is like, I'm not asking. And that we is We all when... know what the gun means. Wait, 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 but now gun means do talk? <laughs> Jack, as usual, hasn't understood a basic concept, okay? <laughs> so that is when the star collapses. Uh, the drone opens fire, Jack and Beth destroy it. Sophia is okay. The three of them race away from the building, but Jack gets split up from Beth and Sophia. And Very convenient cool. timing of this stutter oh, to yeah. not kill Sophia. They're they always convenient. <laughs> it's, it's just to be cool. Um, Beth's got Sophia at gunpoint the whole time. Sophia's not going willingly, but she... she Is Sophia she not convinced go. by the fact that her bosses have just sent a drone to kill her? She just thinks the drone has, like, I don't know, de- ma- deactivated, manufactured, uh, got malfunctioned. I like that her roof is quantum breaking. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so Jack gets split up from Beth and Sophia, Beth's got Sophia at gunpoint, and they're escaping. Um, they're okay, they reach a boat and they get away, Beth and Sophia, but Jack, um, he's alone on the island, he's got to escape on his own, so it's time to go all guns blazing, you fight your way out. Uh, the plan is simple, there is a bridge to the mainland, there's a bunch of rich people here, Jack finds a sexy looking sports car, and off he goes. Valet parking, he grins, beloved by car thieves everywhere. And of course, he chooses Paul Serene's slick, sexy Nissan to make his getaway. Ah, even in the game! He drives into the night. And uh, we cut to our next junction. Episode 3 is really short. So, junction 3. Paul is at his tape recorder again. He's standing in a chamber within Monarch Labs. A bizarre hexagonal device sits on a pedestal in front of him. What that could be? Yes, I'm not showing it right now. This thing growing inside me, he says. I've been fighting it for six hard years. Dr. Amaral was developing a cure for the Cronon Syndrome. She's the only one who could administer the treatments that kept the sickness at bay. And Jack has taken her away from me. Hatch enters the room and Paul zaps over to him using his time powers, grabs him by the throat. How did this happen, Martin? He yells, eyes bulging, face turning red, erratic. How is it possible they managed to take her? Paul! Hatch croaks. This is the illness talking. I'm on your side. Paul winces. Pain from the Cronon syndrome. He lets Hatch go. Also, why is he freaking out? He, is he Does he not believe that everything's going to happen anyway? Yeah. But he also kind of like, just he didn't factor in the fact that if Sophia is gone, no one can help him get over the Cronon syndrome. Mm. And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't factor in. So in his flash into the future, maybe that just wasn't something that he... He's worried perhaps that like, this whole like, time has a plan thing might factor, include him dying now. He's like, she's gone. Her disappearing was not part of my plan. Um, So Hatch, he lets go of Hatch um, and he winces. The, The Cronon syndrome like builds up a little bit because again, he's used his powers. Um, Hatch tells Paul that they found the traitor in Monarch. Hey, he finally did it. Turns out it wasn't Burke. Um, it was somebody else. And the security feed shows... Wait, it wasn't Beth? It was Beth Wilder. Okay, so, yeah. cool, cool, cool. The security feed shows Beth Wilder. Um, so the, the hunt's off for Liam Burke right now, I guess. I don't know. What's important is that they've identified Beth Wilder. Paul stares at it, and a look of surprise crosses his face. 
My God, he says, it's her. We hear Paul's thoughts. Beth Wilder. It was the first time I heard her name, but she had been there in the past. We flash back. We see the young Paul again trying to program the time machine to 1999, clutching his stomach after being shot by someone. The camera pans up and we see Beth ferociously opening fire trying to kill him. You guys called it. Note the lack of earring. So this is the end of time. At the end of time, Beth was there. And she opened. She tried to kill Paul for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, and he managed to. We see him program the time machine to 1999, um, and he he g- runs into the machine and he manages to get back to 1999. I wonder if the Beth that's with us is end of time Beth, or if that's a different Beth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hatch is like Beth Wilder is just one traitor. There could be more. Sophia was trying to convince you that our schedule is wrong. Why? To get you to rush this, maybe to make a mistake. The people opposing you, she could be one of them. So here's your choice. Does Paul trust Sophia Amaral or does he trust Martin Hatch? If we trust Amaral, uh, then we hear Paul's voice hushed say, I want him apprehended immediately. We see Martin in cuffs being taken away by monarch security. Sophia's loyal, he continues. She's always been loyal. If we trust Martin Hatch, we hear him say, despite my personal feelings, evidence is mounting against Sophia. We see her, cuffed, being taken away by monarch security. Then Martin Hatch's voice. She knew you'd never make it without those treatments, and now she's gone, working with Joyce. She took them away. So what's your choice? Do you trust Sophia Amaral or trust Martin Hatch? Mm. I kind of don't care. No, um, I, no you're right. Yeah, it's a <laughs> Shall we choice. rock, paper, scissors it again? Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll be trust Sophia. Rock, paper, scissors, go. go. Rock, paper, paper scissors, scissors, go. Rock, paper, scissors, go. That's one now. Rock, Rock, paper, scissors, go. There we go. 2-0 to Sophia. Sophia. So we're trusting Sophia. We think Hatch is a baddie. Okay. Cool, cool. I I don't think... We knew that. We don't care about either. We absolutely did know that. It is the worst choice in the game because by this point, you know that Martin Hatch is up to something. Yeah. Uh, Also worth knowing that, like, Hatch seems okay despite being shot. That's strange. Oh, yeah. Uh, so tiny, <laughs> tiny side thing. Uh, you do learn through collectibles uh, that basically Hatch like instigated a fake shooting of himself. Why? I don't know. What? Do you, <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. What he had a blood pack. On he, he, earth, he ordered someone to pretend to shoot him. They went to the point of spelling out that he had a blood pack, and then don't go further into this. Why? I don't know. You learn this through a couple of collectibles. Uh, uh, Listen, after the shaky stock price uh, position of the company, we maybe don't want the, the very CEO to get shot he's publicly. Very so did some guy, poor guy, go to jail for this? I don't <laughs> know. It's just something that happens and is never referenced That's again. so out of, annoying. Out of curiosity, I'm just thinking of this now. Um, I guess that does explain, though, why Paul... It doesn't matter that Paul doesn't get shot. Yeah. But, um... As far as internally in the company, do they know that it's Paul in charge, or is the only ones who know? Uh, yeah, because that, like, but yes, yes, because Paul can give the speech. Well, that's what I'm wondering: is do oh, they know that? Point. And if so, like if they don't know that, why does Paul give? Like, why is this rando Paul getting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Speech? the important people know. No, I will say yes, one million percent. The important people definitely know because we have that confirmed What's later. The janitor doesn't. No, know. no, no, no. Does because it's going at the speech gets broadcast on the TV throughout all of their bases, yeah, doesn't it? That's the point. Is, is why would the private this... island? But that's the point. Is the private island is filled with the employees? So why would they, they give us doing top secret evil research? 
The waiters know at the gala. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. Having been in service staff for a long time, we hear everything. They're Whoa. disposable. They were killed afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I think yeah. by this point, it doesn't matter, right? I think the point was just that past Paul didn't know. Now he can be out and about. But it feels like there should have been a bigger like reveal, I guess, to the wider public. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Anyway... We're, you're, you're That's really going to do wonders for the stock price. Yeah. We had a secret CEO the whole time. Sorry, public. Yeah. So you're trusting Amaral, right? You're trusting Sophia. Uh, so let's talk about the TV show. So, yeah, we open uh, Lance Reddick's doing his eye drops. I feel uh, like that would feel really nice, though, if they're, like, good eye drops. Charlie Wilcott has managed to break free of Burke and Fiona. I remember the three that were together on the island. He's managed to get away from them during the stutter that happened. Um, he decides to meet with Martin Hatch. He's going to report in to his boss. Hatch pops in one of his eye drops, turns to Charlie. Charlie explains everything that just happened, Dr. Kim's lab, Fiona being a double agent who knows Beth Wilder, Burke's curiosity about the lifeboat protocol, and Charlie asks what the lifeboat is. So he doesn't know, despite being like one of the top people in Monarch. Mm. It's a sanctuary, Hatch says, designed to shelter essential Monarch personnel to weather the end of time until they can find a solution. It is literally a lifeboat. So... That's what they've been building. Essential personnel, Charlie frowns. So that means that I'd be on that list, right? Not under Paul Serene's lead, you wouldn't. Hatch says. Oh, a little coo. I smell a coo. He's failed. Are those pigeons? I hear a coo on the horizon. (laughs) He's failed to see the value of his own people, Hatch says. You know what I find to be the most terrifying notion on this planet? This is like a proper Lance Reddick monologue. The idea of God. Simply the idea. A being with that much power. He's sitting drinking his adult juice. Let's, let's, there's a roaring fireplace. Let's lose much. Yeah. So yeah, there's like a roaring fireplace. So, so we'll get this weird shot of him peeling yeah. his eye as he gives this monologue. So he's like, the idea of God, simply the idea of being with that much power, the ability to take and give so freely, that kind of control should be feared, not worshipped. Yet people believe in it, just as people believe in Paul Serene. Paul's become unhinged. Who Charlie. believes in Paul Serene? The, oh, like the, people the three guys that know about him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, Paul's become unhinged, Charlie. Monarch has something called the CFR. It's crucial to our survival. It must remain safe. As long as Paul is the only one with access to it, it isn't. You can program that access. Give it to me and I'll put you on the lifeboat. Go back to Monarch. There's a tunnel that will lead you back to headquarters. Unseen. So the whole, sorry, the whole island is on lockdown right now because they think Jack is still on the island by this point, but Jack's gone. The two clink their glasses together and they down their adult juice. Meanwhile, Paul is back at Monarch HQ. I need, un- I need certainty, he says. If I activate the lifeboat protocol early, there is no going back. He is, because he's still unsure, like, when is the end of time coming? Is it earlier than we thought? We don't know. So he's surrounded by scientists trying to give him assurances. But before the meeting can continue, there's a stutter. Paul sighs like a lot. He like looks around it like it's frozen. Sick of this. Yeah, he's like, oh my god. I wish everybody else had time powers. This is a nightmare. Slaps them all. Yeah. And back. <laughs> he, he just so he's he's holding like an iPad, um, and like he sighs like a long hard sigh, and then he just kind of like places the iPad in thin air. So when the star ends, it's just gonna crack to the ground, and he just storms off in frustration, leaving them all frozen behind him. Meanwhile, uh, Burke and Fiona follow Charlie through the woods after his meeting with Hatch. They follow him to the tunnel that goes back to the mainland. 
Where you going, Charlie? Burke yells. Charlie freezes. He whirls around, tells them that he's going back to Monarch headquarters, that there's a list of people for the lifeboat protocol. Great! Well, you can get us on that list, Burke says. Can I ask, Monty, Mm. do we get a sense at this point through the TV show, because obviously we have to skip over parts of it, um, is this a proper little gang? Do they like each other, trust no, each other? they do not. They do not. They oh, do not. that would be fun. Do if, not like that each would other. be fun if they started to trust and like each other. Does that ever happen? Nope. Nope. Right. Uh, Charlie's a little worm. Burke despises that's, that's the, Charlie. The, that's the bare minimum I expect from yeah. a TV show which puts together a gang who don't necessarily want to be together. That's the only thing I would expect. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Burke despises Charlie. Charlie is scared of Burke. Fiona's here. Great. That's that's the relationship you have. Great. You're supposed to care about Burke. Burke You're supposed say, to yeah. be curious about Charlie's allegiance. And why Fiona seems to know more than I, the rest of them. Yeah. I'm curious about Fiona. I could give less of a shit about Burke. Or, I mean, less of a shit about Charlie. Burke's kind of a bit of a nothing right now. Mm, I, he's just a vehicle. He's, he's the camera. Yeah. He's angry man. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, so anyway, so so they, they they head back through the tunnel, right? Um, Burke's like, you know, get us on that list so we can get on the lifeboat protocol, the end of time, etc., etc. Also, can you get my wife Emily on that list? Um, and Charlie's like, I don't have to put your so sh- that she can dream about cats forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's her only character aspect right now. Um, and so 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 Burke is like, yeah, put us on the list. And Charlie replies by going, I don't have to put your name on shit, motherfucker. But before he can finish that sentence, Burke like jabs him in the throat, and Charlie drops. <laughs> Like, he punches him in the throat. Ten points to burn. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, also, let- my, also, my neighbour Brian, could you put him on the list? He seems like, you know, we get on really well. He's I'm got so- a, he's got a great Nissan parked in the drive. <laughs> it seems like Burke and Charlie were, like, decent, at least, workmates. Pre-Charlie being a little snack and selling him out with zero evidence. Uh, yeah, Charlie's like a monarch man through and through. Burke just cares about... Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you. So, um... Let me tell you why you're going to put me on that list, Burke says, like kneeling down next to where Charles like, trying to gasp for his air. And he goes, I've got a pregnant wife at home and she's the only thing I care about right now. So if you get in the way of me protecting her, I swear to God, I will kill you. Let's go. Anyway, we cut to Martin Hatch. He enters Dr. Kim's lab, and, and important to note, because you played the audio recording of the erotica thing, um, that is playing over the lab, and when Hatch walks in, he goes like, what is that? And one of the, one <laughs> in of the, the fucking live action. In the live action, and it's oh. playing over. It's like the, ooh, okay. my 10 foot okay. pole in okay. the background. I am. I will admit, for the first time, I am somewhat impressed mm. that they bothered to record a scene for the show yeah. where this little side collectible is reflected. <laughs> yeah, we are absolutely watching that part over lunch. I'll, if, if it's online, I'll find it. Um, so basically, yeah, he turns to one of the guards who are like standing guard over the over the lab, and he's like, "What is that?" As it's playing, and the guards like, mm. <laughs> "He's like, get rid of it." <laughs> and, then he, and then he walks on, and the scene happens. I shouldn't have to tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. So so anyway, um. He, he he walks up to the Dr. Kim shifter capsule that's there. Um, and he, he says, I've come to free you, my friend. This imprisonment, it's unsettling. It's time for you to rejoin the others, to return to the infinite. He smiles, taps a couple of buttons on his phone, leaves the lab, and behind him, it explodes. <gasps> And he doesn't look back, by the way. Oh, of course. Cool guys don't look at explosions. Yeah. Um, I've just realised as well there, because, uh, and it was purely my brain was triggered by you saying the others, when he said the others. Lance Reddick is also in Lost. Remember? Who's he in Lost? He's the he's the creepy company man who's like recruiting people. Oh yeah. Uh, so as well as yeah. Don Monaghan, 
Uh, Lance Reddick is also in Lost. Love Lost. Back to Charlie, Fiona and Burke. They pass through the tunnel, approaching the exit, when suddenly... Bang, a gunshot. Burke drops to the floor. (gasps) Get on the ground, the monarch enforcer yells, levelling its gun at Charlie and Fiona. And Charlie's like, no, 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 I'm the one that called you in. The guard stops. Who's she? And he levels his gun on Fiona. And Charlie's like, she's a Cronon scientist. She's important. We we have to get her back to Monarch right away. The guard lets them both go. Fiona's face curls in disgust. As they leave, she punches Charlie in the face. So Burke has jabbed him in the throat. Fiona's now smacked him across the gob. Um, And she's like, you killed Burke. And Charlie's like, you led me on and then kidnapped me at gunpoint. So, you know, we're even... That is not the same thing. (laughs) He's like, anyway, you need me if you want to get the lifeboat protocol, so fucking simmer down. Fiona is like, I got what I needed out of you. Open your eyes. The world is about to end. She slams the door in her... Nissan. And drives away, leaving Charlie behind. I just want to say as well, with the build quality of the Nissan, you're always going to get a smooth door close. It's a really satisfying noise. And that door is safe. You could have a collision on the side at up to 50 miles an hour and you'll be fine. I really want to highlight the build quality Thank of the I Nissan. can confirm this. My parents have had two car accidents where they were T-boned in their Nissan. They're fine. Of I course. hope you both realize that I will be cutting 50, 50% of the I, Nissan. I really, will not. I really hope you don't. It's my favorite part. Neil, you've learned to edit. Edit this episode. <laughs> You're editing this episode just to keep those in. Back to the Monarch and First Forcer. So th- that this happens outside. Fiona drives away. Charlie's left alone. He's got to walk back to Monarch. Mm. Fine. Um, back to the Enforcer. So he looks at Burke's body, which is lying still on the ground. And he leers down at him. And he's like, you know... I'm going to enjoy killing your wife, Burke. And, uh, Why? Like, yeah, I have no idea, because this guy's a psychopath. Just for the sake of being a baddie? Yeah, this guy's like a, a threat Why now. bother killing it? I mean, I suppose he doesn't know the end of time's coming. He's just a grunt. Yeah, he's, he's just a guy. He's going to go after Emily. So What did Emily do? She's just been dreaming about cats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, like Lazarus from the grave, Burke whips out a knife and just slices it across this guy's throat. Um, he was shot on the shoulder, turns out. He's bleeding a lot, and he's like in a ba- he's in bad shape, but he is alive. Um, so anyway, at Monarch HQ, Hatch is meeting with Paul. Kim's lab was blown up, he says. It must have been Amaral. She must have planted some explosives. The last of your treatments were in there. Uh, Paul is twitching. His vision is hazy. He starts having, like, random flashes of the future. It's just kind of, like, bleeding into reality for him. He can't make out what they're trying to tell him, though. He's starting to lose his grip on reality. So I'm a dead man, Paul barks. Jack, he wants me to become a... He stops himself. He wants me to suffer. Jack Joyce with Sophia Amaral's help. What has Jack done? Well, because he, he stole Sophia. Yes. Well, and also Lance has presumably just convinced him that Jack blew up the lab with his medication in it. Lance Hatch. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's Lance Radic and we love him a bit, but it's important we remember his name is Hatch. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so so Hatch is like, oh, it was totally like Sophia Amaral, like she's working with Jack, you know, don't trust her. And Paul stares into the distance and he's like, I need her found now, bring her to me. We cut to Burke who makes it to the hospital where his wife Emily is working. He walks in, he's clutching his shoulder, he's in bad shape. And he sees another Monarch Forcer just casually talking to her. Um, there's a beat, yeah, there's a beat. And then Burke and the guard both know what's about to happen, but they're delaying it for as long as possible. Emily, Burke says, we need to go now. 
Emily starts to move, and that's when the guard attacks. Burke flips him over, smashes him into the desk with all the gravitas some cheapy sha- cheap shaky cam can give us. Uh, he grabs a cord, wraps it around his neck, chokes the life out of him. Everybody's like in the hospital screaming, watching this happen. Um, Emily, in particular, is horrified. Uh, she begs Burke to stop. Like, what is he doing? She didn't know he was capable of this, but Burke doesn't listen. Um, so yeah, so he, he strangles him and kills this guy. He's yeah, pulling Emily a funny out. face while he's doing that. So uh, yeah, he finishes the job, kills him. Emily runs out of the hospital. But Bert goes after her in the parking lot of the hospital and he grabs her into a bear hug like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> she that, dreamed he was a cat is that what your reference was meant to that is to? the closest i could possibly think to the because she describes him as, i dreamed you were a cat you had like big bear paws so not a cat a bear oh maybe and he, he, he grabs her into what can only be described as a bear hug so i'm like okay is this a thematic thing i don't know uh, a bear cat a bear cat uh, but he grabs her into a bear hug and he just to decides to like explain his entire character to her i guess so he's like Oh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It doesn't matter. But he's basically like, it's not who I am. I never felt good doing this. It's the only thing I knew. I went to war. When I came back, I didn't know what to do. Monarch were here. Uh, they found that useful. They gave me work. Uh, I couldn't stand it. Couldn't stand it alone. Uh, so We've been married for years. You're having my kids. Sorry you're just yeah. finding this out now. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he, like, she used to be a bartender. He used to, like, stalk her in a bar. Uh, you go, Yeah, he'd go in for a drink every night, not you speak to her. You that part. Yeah, it happened for, like, a mm. year. And then does eventually... A lie, does a lie about my life story inform the consent we have had in yeah. the time since? Probably. No, like, the, the life story is less... It's not like stalking, but he went in for a drink every day and, like, tried to pluck up the courage to speak to her and eventually did, and then they're together. Um, he's like, Monarch gave me structure after coming back from war, didn't have structure. Uh, but you, Emily, you gave me purpose, and I did this to protect you. And Emily, like, slowly stops crying. She calms herself down. And then Burke is like, something terrible is coming. And I will explain on the way, but we have to go right now. Just let me protect you. Let me protect you one last time. And we cut to black. And that is the end of the episode. So, back to the actually half-decent game? Yeah. Video video games, Adam. Video games. Uh, We like video games. So, uh, Act 4, The Secret History of Time Travel. Oh. Yeah. So. That's that's a lord title. Mm. Jack is stuck in Riverport University. He needs to get back to the swimming pool, but Monica are out on the streets. They've taken full control. He leaps over rooftops, navigates his way through alleys with Beth in his ear, who's like, right, okay, go through this way. We'll get you back to the swimming hall. But Monarch have Riverport in lockdown. But um, wait, so Monarch know about the swimming hall? Or do they just know that Jack knows? No, they don't know they, about the They know hall. that there is a secret time machine that well built, but they have been looking for it for years. But how do they know that he knows about the time machine? Jack told them. Uh, oh, according to yeah. Hatch, he came in with his arms and be like, by the way, uh, Will has a time machine. <laughs> I'm not telling you where it is. And then Paul, Paul asks him later in the interrogation, he's like, tell me about the, t- the time machine. And Jack goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Just the worst. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. I assumed that we'd be using that time machine a lot more in this game than we have been. We don't use it. No, we do. Okay. Are we going to start using it in this chapter? We've got two episodes of game left, including this one. And one TV episode, right? Yeah, this is a good episode, I would argue. It's okay. the best episode uh-huh. of the game story-wise. It's very interesting what happens here. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so, so, so he's working his way through the thing. He kills a couple of goons, whatever, right? And eventually gets to the Riverport Bridge. He needs to get across the bridge if he wants to get back to the swimming hole. Um, it's completely cordoned off, but it's his best route. So he tries to sneak under it, but of course... Time has a different idea. There's a stutter, a big one this time. And when it releases, time, like, it fast-forwards this time. It's, it's like, whoosh, like that. And objects are moved aside or up or down. And it's not just time breaking apart, but it's having an effect on space, too. 
a ship comes crashing into a bridge. Oh, we saw this earlier. We did. We saw this. We saw a clip, not this image you have on screen, but we saw an image of a clip crashing into a bridge way, way back during the Xbox showcase, back when they showed the trailer. So, like, it was like, oh, here's a little tease of what's to come. So, yeah, the ship crashes into a bridge. Everything flies in the air and then freezes and you need to platform I can't explain why I think this. I think it's because with the best will in the world, a lot of the remedy, especially Alan Wake, has a kind of green-gray look to it. And it's not bad. It's not bad. Like, a lot of the games for the time had that kind of brownie-green look. But there's something about this image. For anyone listening along, we've got this kind of beautiful frozen time. There's a truck in midair, and and there are two road signs in front of that that are kind of laid flat in the middle of the air for him to run across. And that looks so remedy. Like, the fact I looked at that, and I know that he has to run across those, those road signs just looks so typical yeah. in a really good way. I must admit, this is a really, like, this image almost doesn't do it justice, but no, it is, yeah. is arguably, there's this and there's the ship container moment, both of, like, the big stars of the game. This is legitimately fantastic. Yeah. And it's really cool. It's just, the gameplay isn't particularly interesting, but the visual, like, everything's leaping in and bits of that truck are, like, smashing off, trying to not jack off the edge. It's really cool. But regardless, it, it's not that important plot-wise. He gets across it. And he makes it past the debris, and he gets off the bridge, and he makes it back to the swimming hall. I'm just going to skip past it. It's like 40 minutes of gameplay. You get the idea. Um, and when he gets there, um, Sophia, Amaral, uh, Beth, and Nick, they're all waiting. So Sophia's like, you don't understand what's happening. You need to hand Will's time machine over to Monarch. We are prepared for what happens next. The end of time is coming. Paul has been there. He's seen it. There's no way to... But Jack's had enough. He slams his hand on the desk and he says, Hey, this isn't a debate. I just watched a ship fast forward through a fucking bridge. (laughs) Great line. Best line of the game. Hands down. No notes. Just, I love this. And I in my, I've, I play it like five times in my critique. I'm sorry. I love this line. It's so good. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's great. Um, hey, go and watch the critique on the Monty Zander channel. Yes, it's very good. Um, so time is running out and the fractures are getting worse by the minute, he says. Will built a way to stop the fracture, a countermeasure. We need to go back to the past to retrieve it. And they threaten Sophia's life, blah, blah, blah. And she reluctantly agrees to help them set up the time machine. Beth pulls Jack to one side and is like, in the video Will left for me, he said the countermeasure was stolen from his workshop in 2010. He also said that I took it. We have a time machine. If we take it from there, it wouldn't be a change. It would, you know, we wouldn't be changing anything. It already happened. Let's go to 2010, not back to the university. Like, screw Will. We need to get the countermeasure. It needs to be 2010. We can't change anything. So, oh. Just don't check. The countermeasure... Potentially stops the, the end, end of, of time. time. We don't know how, but apparently it does. Because is it? Did they not say that the lifeboat is like a shelter, Until so they, they can figure out? Yeah, yeah. So if he wants to stop the end of time, why would he kill Will? Who wants to stop the end of time? Because I guess he saw the future, and it doesn't matter. Everything happened the way. It yeah, happened. Paul. Paul thinks that Will's plan would fail. And in the process of Will failing in his plan, he would stop the lifeboat being ready to go. Because, well, there is an explanation okay. for this that is coming um, as to kind of why why he killed Will. Um, but Paul believes that Will's plan would fail. I mean, it, it, a is, plan. it is a pretty desperate situation for Paul, who now it presumably believes this plan is basically buying more time, but is now under the belief with Sophia gone, I'll be on that life raft, but I'm going to... 
die pretty shortly afterwards, and I'm the time guy. A million the percent. Time guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but so so Beth is like, let's not go back to the university. Let's go to 2010 and take the countermeasure from there. Jack, this is our plan. This meets with the rules that have been previously established by the last four episodes of Game, right? Mm. And uh, Jack's like, okay, look, but not the past trips of TV. <laughs> TV, TV, TV. When we wrote this, we had no idea what they would say. <laughs> so Jack is like, okay, okay, Beth, okay, Beth. Explain to me why that's a better plan than going back to yesterday, saving Will's life and preventing all of this in the first place. This all happened over 24 hours so far. Apparently. Um, so yeah, and Beth is like, because time can't be changed, Jack. Have you not played the rest of the game? Have you not seen how this goes? That's what we keep being told. You can't save Will's life. He died. There's a better chance if we go back to 2010 and close the loop. Time will always be the same. Time's a flat circle. Setting up the time machine means we need to explore the swimming hall further. And eventually, Jack and Beth find this room. Some graffiti on the wall. A painting of Beth handing a small black book to a little girl. This is my art, Beth says. My style. But I've never been here before. She takes a deep breath and looks oh, at Jack. Figure it out, Beth. <sighs> and then she looks at Jack and she explains. She figured it out. <laughs> There's something you should know. 1999, she says. I was eight years old, playing in my backyard, and a woman approached me, gave me this, and she pulls out the black book. A black book. She told me she was from the future. She gave me very specific details of events that would come to pass. The book was filled with dates, events, proof of it all. That woman... Jack, it was me. I tried to change things in the book, but none of it worked. Our fate is laid out before us. Nothing can be changed. You know, over and over again, being told this. Everything that happened to get us here is part of the path. It can't be changed or undone. And when we step into that time machine, you will see that for yourself. And Jack nods. He's like, fine, we'll try it your way. 2010 it is. So Amaral programs the time machine. We pull some toggles and dials. Again, we have to do the whole like 30 minutes of setting oh up a time machine God. in gameplay. And we do this three times, man. And I swear to God, it is so tedious every time. You want to console, push X. Want to console, push X. And eventually, it's ready to go. Jack sets the time to 2010. Beth steps into the corridor. Only Beth. Only Beth. Well, only Beth Jack's holding Sophia at like gunpoint. Be like, right, okay, now program us in. Do this thing. Beth, you go first. I'll join you in a minute. Beth steps into the corridor. This is important. She steps in the corridor. But before Jack can join her, the door slams shut behind her. Jack turns to see Sophia at the console. He immediately pulls out his gun. Sorry, he didn't have a gun before. Now he does. What did you do? He yells. He sees the screen. You changed the date. Where is she? Where is she? I had no choice, Sophia shouts. I already called Monarch. They're on the way. It's over. We need the countermeasure to run the lifeboat. Jack roars in anger, taps 2010 back into the computer and runs down the corridor. And he steps out in the swimming hall. It's bare. There's graffiti on the floor, the walls, shapes and objects that we don't recognize. The equipment's all here, but the lights are off and there's just something a little bit lit. young about the room. In the distance, we hear gunshots. Jack follows them. And he finds Beth. She's blasting a handgun into wooden targets. Furious, frustrated, anxious, exhausted. Beth, Jack says. She turns and seeing Jack, she breaks down. She's been here a long time. Dr. Amaral sent her to the future, not the past. She saw the end of time for herself. We hear all of this. Beth describes it to us, but we don't see it. So she's already shot Will. She fought Paul. 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 God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so money got, bags. Money bags. <laughs> she got sent to the end of time. She fought for months or God knows how long because time had stood still, trying to find a way back and eventually it all came to a head when she met Paul Serene, the young Paul from the start of the game. He crashed into the swimming hall, hoping to use Will's machine to get back to the present, but Beth tried to kill him. Yes, you have questions, I'll answer. How, if old Paul doesn't know about the swimming hall, mm. how does young Paul know about the swimming hall? <laughs> That's a really good question. No, no, I'll tell you exactly why, because... We're breaking quantums. <laughs> I don't have an answer. I'm just going to move on. Look, no, no, no. No, I will tell you. Here's, here's an explanation. Uh, Paul said it in the interrogation. All of his memories begin to blur together. It's all a mess. He can't remember exactly right, no, no, where no, no, it was. Question, He's lived like 50 million years. My question, there's no time machine there then, right? No, there is. In 1999? Uh, yes, there was a core in 1999. Who did that? Uh, Will. Will was working on it before Paul. Oh, yeah. Will's been working on this, like, since his uni days, remember? Um, Not even uni days, pre-uni. While he started uni, when he was 18, you know. It would make sense, perhaps, that there was a time machine of some capacity there. Hmm. Um, You know, it's not impossible. It does stretch the limits. So it doesn't have to be the same time machine, then. Because Paul initially went into his time machine and came out on Will's time machine. In the past. Or maybe they're one in the same. same core. Right, I got you. Okay. Wait, how the same time machine? How is it the same core? They're in two physical locations. Simultaneously, mind. (sighs) Well, are they working simultaneously at the same time? Shit. Because this is... (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that that matters because it's still the same core. Yeah, but I'm saying was the core taken out of one and put into the other. Comments, help me out. I'm pretty sure this made sense when I played it, but now I'm confusing myself with the questions. I'm going to continue, if that's okay, because we're getting to the really good stuff. So, But will the really good stuff be really good if none of this makes sense? Uh, It doesn't matter. Just just imagine it all does. Yeah, I have no concept of that. (laughs) So all you need to know is, end of time, Beth went to end of time, Paul went to end of time. There, Beth was like, oh my God, you're Paul Serene. I'm going to kill you. Because I know you're a baddie. Unrelated, I would like to say that Beth's hair is starting to look very red, very Jesse. Uh, fair, yes, that's absolutely fair. She's turning um, into Jesse! <laughs> Beth so, is real! <laughs> Jeff, 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 Jeff. So, regardless, um, Jeff. this is important, right? So, so Beth went to the end of time, tried to kill Paul because she knows Paul's a baddie in, in her time. She's like, I'm going to kill you now. Um, Paul managed to program it to go back to 1999. He escaped back to 1999, and Beth followed. Uh, she was after him, and they both ended up back in 1999. Now, we are in 2010, so Beth has lived 11 years in that time. Paul's been busy making moderate solutions, preparing for the end of time, and Beth has spent 11 years trying to change things. That's important. Because what happened was that Beth, in 1999, she met Will. Moments after he created his first time machine back in 1999. There you go, it's explained there. Um, She explained everything, that the end of time was coming, that he had to build a countermeasure. So that's why he knew her. She came back and said, by the way, look, in like 16 years or 17 years, the end of time is coming. You need to build a countermeasure. You're a time travel scientist. Make the thing. And Will was like, oh, God, okay, crazy time travel lady. Um, And that's what he's been doing. That's why he's been so obsessive over the past years. It kind of makes sense why then it adds a bit more to the fact that they haven't seen each other in so long. Will's just being this kind of crazy basement scientist trying to stop the He shut off all contact with the outside world because he thinks no one's ever going to believe him, but he's got to save the world, right? Um, So, yeah. So, Jack's like, you've been here 11 years. Why didn't you come back? 
and there's a weight in Beth's eyes. Her voice is shaky as she replies. That rhymed. We should get ready, she says. Tonight, we're stealing the countermeasure. So as we prepare to leave the half of our mission, we find a journal and you can read all of it. Yes, yes, Chase. She told Will to make it and now she's stealing it. Yeah, in 2010. She told Will to make it in 1999. But it's still Will's, so why is she now stealing it from Will? Well, she's not stealing it, she's just taking it, but it's like, Will's not there. We're we're going to take take it back into the present, right? Yeah. It's not important that Will doesn't know we took it, but also kind of is if the time loop Jason, they're going back to the future, okay, with the device. All you need to know is it's 2010 and we're going to get the countermeasure, right? Okay. So as we prepare to leave the hall... Um, we find a journal. It's the black book that Beth told us about. Mm-hmm. And you can read it. It's an optional collectible, but I'm going to tell you some things that happened because it's really interesting. So Beth's, we, it, depicts, it depicts Beth's attempts to change things since 1999. 9-11. <laughs> second game we've covered that directly references 9-11. Uh, so yeah, 9-11. She tried to stop 9-11. Happened anyway. Uh, the death of certain loved ones. Tried to stop them. Happened everywhere. E- anyway, every time they happen anyway. She writes how she watches Jack from a distance. She's been watching him for years. Um, she visits her younger self and gives her the book, the little nine-year-old self. She takes up uh, graffiti, uh, so basically stop herself from going insane. Uh, she doesn't make any friends. This is 11 years, remember. She gets messages from Will de- trying desperately to track down this mysterious woman from the future, but she ignores him because she knows that she only made contact with him once. Um, he needs to get on with the work. She doesn't want to get in his way. Uh, she spent 11 years literally alone. 11 years because she always spends 11 years alone. Her spare time was given over to the graffiti. And training as well. Uh, which is why we find her shooting. She's shooting at targets. The two of them head over to Will's workshop. A warehouse at River Point Dock. The countermeasure is there. The plan is simple. Get there. Steal it. Get back to Will's time machine to return to present day. And Beth is depressed the whole time. She's nihilistic. Her tone is monosyllabic. One tone, not monosyllabic, monotone. Beth, Beth is really cool, man. Beth is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like, she's witnessed the end of time, and it seems like she's basically, like, been like, nothing that we do. And has been training as, like, a lone warrior since. We love Betsy. Just, mm. it's a lot like what Paul saw. She saw exactly what Paul saw, and both of them came back being like, there's no way to stop this. All we could do is prepare for it. Um, which is sad as hell. Yeah. Do we know, and you can potentially not answer this, did they cause the end of time by meddling in time travel? Or was it something that was always going to happen? The what, what causes the end of time? I don't know. There are theories. We'll talk about them at the end. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah. Rad. Um, so, yeah. So, so anyway. So, uh, Jack's like, I can't imagine what happened to you. When we get back to the present, we'll, 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 we'll fix this. Jack's like, we're going to go back and we're going to undo it so you never spend 11 years alone. I can change everything because I'm Jack and I learned literally nothing. And, uh, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. And Beth is like, you still don't get it. And she like, she snaps at him. This is the most animated she's been the entire time in 2010. Nothing can be changed. You fuckwit. And Jack is like, and that scares you, Jack says, like seeing this, the fear in her face. I've seen us fail. Like if we fail, the end of time happens. And I saw the end of time, which means we failed. No matter what we do, it happens. I don't know if we can win this thing. They get to Will's workshop. Retrieving the countermeasure is easy. Too easy. And when they get it, they are rudely interrupted. What, so what is the countermeasure? Oh, it's that little, like, orb thing that we saw. Is that not something that Monarch already had? 
So yes. why is Monarch been trying to get Will's countermeasure? They want his time machine. They don't have a... Why do they not use the one from the university lab? I don't, I don't remember. remember. You're asking me... <laughs> quite... Look, I'm, I'm at the point... No, they, they, they do. They take his core from the university lab... I don't remember. I, look, let me just keep following the story and I, I'm, it will become clear. I'm wrapping myself in loops now and I'm going to say things that will be contradicted later now. So I've got all my notes here and I don't remember what they Leave all Leave him alone. We were, always, alone. we were always dead quiet and respectful during the Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> during Kingdom Hearts, we were very respectful. Um, so um, the rudely interrupted, Paul arrives. 2010, Paul. Beth points a gun at Paul, clutching the countermeasure. Give me the device, Paul says. Come with me. We can survive this together. You know it can't be stopped. You have seen what I've seen. And Beth pulls the trigger. The gun goes off in her hand, but not before Paul slows time, dashes to the left, pulls out his own gun, and shoots her in the stomach. The countermeasure drops to the floor, and a white light blasts from it. Chronon particles erupt from inside. Beth, Jack, Paul, they're all blown back. This is what caused the end of time, right? This is what caused Ground Zero, or potentially what caused the end of time, but yeah. also, uh, more, more importantly, this is the cause of Ground Zero. So, yeah, uh, chronon particles erupt from inside, Jack's blown back, everyone's blown back. The warehouse shifts and rewinds, chairs, whiteboards, lab equipment glitch in and out of existence. We hear Jack, years in the future, sitting in that interview room speaking to Clarice Ogawa. We failed, he says. We created Ground Zero. And Paul got the countermeasure. We cut back to 2010. Sorry, Chase, to answer your question, they're not looking for the countermeasure. They want Will's time machine because it stops Jack's plan. They want Jack because we know that Jack's going to try to stop Paul. Why do they want to bother stopping okay. Jack's plan? Because when, when they started planning to stop Jack's plan, Paul was of the opinion that everything was going to happen anyway. So why bother trying to do anything? Uh, yeah, yeah, but maybe he thinks that like the way that time plays out is he stops Jack. But also, if he thinks it plays out the same way every time, he might just stay at home masturbating, and that's gonna <laughs> everything's gonna go the same way. Well, it's like anything, though, isn't it? It's like you know, why don't when you go back in time to try to change something, why didn't you do it this way rather than that way? Oh, because it's gonna play out the same way. I mean, your your instincts, your the way you want to do it, will always cause something. It's like yeah, he's not gonna do that. He wants to stop Jack because he what what he wants is he just wants to. Right. He wants to. And also, I think it's important to know, bear in mind, best friends. Sorry. Best friends for life, Jack and Paul. So the idea was that he wants Paul, Jack to be with him at the end. He wants him to be on side. He wants his friend yeah. to get it. Yeah, I suppose, he that, I suppose he doesn't necessarily know who's on the arc, mm. who's on the life raft, and it could yeah, be, maybe it could be Jack. Yeah. So regardless, uh, yeah, we created Ground Zero. Paul got the countermeasure. We cut back to 2010. The blast shot Jack through time. Arriving in 2016, the main timeline of the game, present Yeah, He stands in Ground Zero at the dock and watches a vision play out, helpless. And what he sees is Paul and Beth still in 2010. Beth manages to close the lid on the countermeasure. The blast of light stops. A moment of quiet. She lies on the ground, breathing heavily. Blood flows from her stomach. Paul slowly approaches, a gun in his hand. Come on, Beth, Jack says, hoping his voice will echo back through time. Get up, get the gun, move, you could do this, please. Paul raises his gun and points it at Beth. Paul, please, don't do this, don't do it. Jack is on his knees trying to guard Beth. It's beautiful, actually, this whole ending. Because he's in our time, he's just looking at a phantom, they can't hear him. Um, don't do this. He's on his knees trying to guard Beth, but it's useless. They're six years apart. Paul can't see him, can't even hear him. Paul Serene shoots Beth Wilder in the head. He picks up the countermeasure and leaves. In 2016, Jack's face twists with anger, with hate. 
He slowly stands to his feet, cocks his gun, and marches out of the warehouse. We cut to black. Junction 4. Paul stands in the chamber and looks at the countermeasure. This is our last junction. I don't have much time left, I know, he says it to his tape recorder. I spent so long preparing for the end, trying to save... He stops himself. What's the point in saving them if I can't even trust them? His eye twitches. He spasms for a second. Parts of him glitch. He's having a bad time of it. He has a vision of the future. It forces itself into his mind. He's not looking for it anymore. It's just happening. He sees Jack, angry, fist raised. The two of them are in the swimming hall. Paul now knows where Will's time machine is. That's lucky. Yeah. Mm. A, lot of that, a lot of that going around. I'm slipping away, he says. There's a lot of remedy. I think not knowing how to write a time travel story yeah. and just not doing really lucky coincidences. I'm slipping away. It is interesting, to be fair, but... Yeah, 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 100%. It's, it's a fun story, but I'm not going to say it's their best. Um, I'm slipping away, he says, like Dr. Kim, giving in to pain and rage. Soon I'll be a sh... And he stops himself. He's interrupted, a monarch guard. I'll be a shit. A real shitty guy. Sir, the guard says. Sorry to interrupt, but we found something in Dr. Kim's lab. Something so, that wasn't destroyed. We did, thought you'd want to see it. It's mm. the smut. <laughs> <laughs> the smut, the audio, the erotica. Really yeah. you, you know Brian from, from, from Facilities Management? Have a listen to this, sir. <laughs> so, did, did Dr. Kim also have this chrono disease? Like, do you need to have chrono disease to turn into a ship? Or why did Dr. No Kim... No idea. Oh, no idea rubbish. why Kim turned into a shifter. I have no Does idea. Does that really not the, matter that that happened to, to Kim? To, to be honest, I think the... He just... We found out he was a shifter and he got blown he up. He was a leading chronon researcher. So the take is, it's like radiation, right? He exposed yeah, yeah, himself yeah. to chronon so much that it just un undid him. Paul got a massive blast of it at the start of the game. But that was a one-off big blast. Whereas Kim spent, what, 20 years... Slowly researching it, it just evolved him, and he was like the guy. He was the Cronon guy, so I, he had the most exposure. I guess that makes sense. So, regardless, uh, the, the, so the guards like, look, you gotta see this. I need to come with me. And Paul heads off to meet um, meet him. And as he does, we see something in his office that is very interesting that I specifically wanted to take note of: a series of whiteboards dating from 1999, the point in time that Paul was blasted back to, building up to 2021. We see the Monarch Solutions was founded in 2001. We see 2016 labelled with the catastrophe at the university. Will's death has all been predicted by Paul, written up clearly on these whiteboards. And we see 2021, where written in a red scrawl is just the end of time. Mm, for, anyone, for anyone listening along, the, the other major event in this board is Lifeboat Entry, which is in March of 2020. So they're going to get into the lifeboat a year before the predicted end of time. Four years before. It's 2016 right now. No, 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 no. They're going to get into the lifeboat a year before the end of time. Oh, they are, yes. But if they go get into the lifeboat today, they're going to get in four years yes, before, yes. which is the whole Sophia thought it was happening earlier. Yeah, correct. So yeah. the question is, and this is really important, guys, when everyone's talking about the end of time happening in 2016, is this in fact the end of time or is this something else? Mm. We don't know. We don't know. Paul, all Paul knows is that he got blasted to the end of time in 2021 and according to maybe a newspaper or something it told him that it had just happened but now it's happening four years earlier or is it? Is this wait, in fact the end of time? Wait, so if if newspapers were able to report on it 
then it wasn't bad enough to actually stop life. Well, maybe by this yeah. point, you know, maybe Monarch, like, reported it's going to happen. We've predicted it's going to happen in a few days. Say goodbye to your loved ones. So yeah, uh, whiteboards, end of time. Maybe, maybe hmm, this is all throwing into flux a little bit what Paul actually knows. What does he know and what was he wrong about, etc. At the top of the stairs, Paul sees what the guard wanted to show him. It's his treatment for Cronon sickness. One final batch survived the blast that Martin Hatch did. So here's your final choice. Number one, surrender to Cronon sickness. Is control or surrender? Number one is surrender to Cronon sickness, which is, we hear Paul's voice. You have all betrayed me, assured my downfall, and now I will assure yours. We see Martin Hatch holding a gun standing over Liam Burke. His voice sounds out. My world will be renewal. My world will see balance. We hear Charlie Wincott's voice. We see him reaching out to Jack, helping him. Paul resolves to make them all suffer. All of them. Or we got control, which is he takes the treatment. We see Paul with his hand on Liam Burke's shoulder. I need your help, he says. Paul thinks how he can focus on the mission, the lifeboat. See this to the end. We see Jack, fist raised, coming for Burke. So what's your choice? Does he take the treatment or not take the treatment? This is the most important choice in the game. My initial thought was why wouldn't he take the treatment? That was the first thing I thought of. I can't think of a reason to choose surrender. Yeah. Because basically what you're doing here is less of a choice. It is a choice, but you are basically deciding the writing of this character. Like, in the sense that, like, whether or not he loses faith isn't something I should have decided. It's something that the writing maybe should have should yeah. have sorted out. Which, as far as the writing has gone so far, I think that he would, if he sees that there is an option, he would take it. Yeah. He that's, has been, that's interesting. He has been ruthlessly dedicated to this plan. Here's, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. I think we both agree that control makes the most logical sense. But I'm a chaos goblin. <laughs> and I want to see him I want to see him suffer oh, so I think we one last rock paper scissors baby oh, god I can't say no to you let's go okay so you're surrender and I'm control yes rock okay, paper, paper scissors. scissors shoot oh right okay one now rock one, paper scissors. scissors oh one for me <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We're not even that far into this. I've got a stack of adult juices in front of me, and I'm having a very good time. Okay, um, right, it's one all. Right, one final one. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh no! It's surrender. Well, so he doesn't take the treatment. No. Damn, motherfucker! Chaos reigns. Oh yeah, can you remind me, guys? Who did you trust? Uh, we trusted we... Serene. Oh, is this the one where like six different choices? Yeah, I need to piece these together. So you trusted Amaral, didn't you? Yeah. So tra- Amaral, no treatment. All right. So you guys, uh, you, he's so Paul does not take the treatment. He is just going to give in to his Coron sickness. God damn it. So I'm finding so much reason. There is no logical reason we should have gone down this route. I think no, I think the point not. is that it depends on how you reinterpret the writing, and I agree with both of you. He's written to be ruthlessly devoted to his plan. Here we go. Final TV episode. This note, note the Windows Surface tablet. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Brought to you by Nissan. <laughs> <laughs>
So the lifeboat protocol has been launched. Monarch cars drive to the homes of the chosen few selected by Monarch to board the lifeboat. Paul stares into the distance, resolve dawning on his face. It's time. Sophia Amaral's voice echoes distantly. She's made it back to Monarch HQ. Look at you, she says, pity on her face. You need your treatments. Paul says nothing. He walks towards her. His face glitches for a second. He picks up an ornament from the nearby table. No and smashes it across Sophia's face. Why? Once, twice, three times. She bleeds, she drops to the floor, she dies. That That is some terrible looking blood. I was about to say, that looks like corn syrup. Yeah. Slime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very high school theater production blood. (laughs) Meanwhile, Charlie Wincott is elsewhere. That felt very out of nowhere. Both her showing back up here yeah. I guess and we're just showing that he's losing it a little bit. I've actually given it to you a little bit wrong, but that's purely because I didn't. Uh, I, I had the wrong slides here. So you decided to trust Amaral, but let him give in to his sickness. So yeah. he doesn't actually bash her across the head in that choice. What he does is he chokes her to death. Oh. Um, if you surrender and trust yeah, Hatch, he bashes her. That doesn't make much of a difference. She dies either way if he why, gives in. Why bother with the two? Because he's, it's, it's just to solidify that he's lost all humanity now. He's full-blown paranoia. Yeah, full why blown not phenom. use the same thing for him? I agree. This is just more brutal, I guess. Um, I think as, yeah. a, as someone who hasn't quite lost his grip on time and space and reality, I would still rather kill someone quickly with a blow to the head rather than slowly choke the life out of them. I feel like he's had guns several points in this. That would be the fastest. Kill two people with a gun, yeah. Meanwhile, Charlie Wincott is elsewhere in the building. He rushes to his office. Back to Charlie. Back to Charlie. Uh, He logs into the computer, spills his coffee, and hacks into the lifeboat protocol. Spills his coffee? He's He's the person from... He's the person Metal Gear Rising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spills her coffee. Um, so he spills his coffee. Uh, sorry, it's a, it's a tiny thing, right? But uh, Ch- Charlie has um, a very clear OCD, like legitimate OCD. Mm-hmm. We see him moving things into particular points in certain scenes. It's not that important. Uh, but I guess the point is like, oh, he's very neat and tidy and like to, to a point where it's a mental fixation. And now he's so stressed that he's not even caring about that, I guess. But it doesn't matter. He spills his coffee. So he, uh, he hacks into lifeboat protocol he adds his name to the list hesitates then adds Fiona's name delving deeper into the f- so he doesn't add Burke uh, he delving deeper into the files he sees that the lifeboat in fact is right under him in the basement of Monarch headquarters this whole time it was just a few floors away he hadn't realised outside feels pretty obvious in retrospect it does in retrospect where else would they put it's it it's not going to be anywhere else is it outside Fiona sits sobbing in her car she's panicking she doesn't yeah, know what to do hideous yeah. car uh, excuse me excuse me it's a beautiful looking Nissan um, it's a hideous decal. Yeah, the decal, absolutely. It's taken away from Nissan's quality paint jobs that they put on these cars. I agree. It's anti <laughs> scratch. I do think it's, I. Yeah, it, they won't go faded like other car brands. I do think that I need to say um, this looks very much like the paint job on my parents' car. Yeah. Um, which I would like to say, whilst it looks like a black, it's not a black, it's actually a coffee brown. Mm. Um. And it has a it has a lovely sparkle to it. The color options, she, Chase, are second to none. So and many. take note of the LED headlamps as well. Uh, really they ahead are, of the time. They are marvelous. Mm. So I mean, outside Fiona sits sobbing in her car. Uh, she's panicking. And she's got so much space in there to cry. She's got. She can and stretch her legs out. Leather seats. Absolutely. She's got nothing but space to cry in there. And with the sturdy. Uh, with a sturdy steering wheel, she's really gonna have somewhere to bang her head if she need, feels like a need. Nissan promise you the most luxurious cry you can have in a car. Oh. 
and I'm sure that she is having some wonderful sob music over that fantastic oh, sound system. Oh, absolutely. We've got quad speakers on the inside of the car. Comes as standard. Yes, Monty. Oh. We need to get it out. We're assuming this is the last one. That is the last one. That was excellent. Thank you. Um... Okay, so. And on the heated seats, <laughs> the heated seats as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, now with built-in also additional cooling feature if you don't want that. Welcome to Lore Dump, yeah, the show where we all we do is we talk wow. about Nissan now. You get this was once a, a game lore podcast, then it became Kingdom Hearts, and now it's a Nissan podcast. Um, anyway, so Fiona sits. It's a chaos podcast. <laughs> So Fiona sits in her car. She's having a bad time. She's sobbing, right? Um, she's been trying to reach Beth, but there's no reply. By the way, we never learned how they knew each other. I don't know. They just what? Did. Uh, so suddenly, yeah, they just work together, I guess. Annoying. Yeah. So that's uh, like one of the interesting <laughs> mysteries it sets up. It's literally the defining character trait of Fiona, and it's not explored. Never, no, the other were. one is it's not important. She, the other one's that yeah. she knew Doctor Shifter. Oh yeah, Doctor Kim Shifter. Yeah, you're right. So <laughs> anyway, um, there's no reply. She's been trying to reach her. She's having a bad time. She's know what to do. The end of time's coming. And anyway, then suddenly... But it's seemingly not. It's coming in five years. <laughs> Maybe. Shifter. I hardly know her. <laughs> so then suddenly... Fiona Miller? It's Jack's voice. Where's Beth? Fiona Why responds. Why does Jack know her? I don't know. I'm sure it's explained at some point. Beth probably mentions her, but I don't remember. So where's Beth? Fiona responds. Serene, Jack says. He doesn't say more. He doesn't need to. I'm on my way to Monarch now. I need your help to get in. The countermeasure is there. Meet me. He turns off his radio, and as he does, Fiona gets a message from Charlie. The location of the lifeboat, giving notice that he's put her on the list. Back to Charlie. He descends down into the basement of Monarch headquarters, gets past the guards. His hack worked. He's the first one here. Through a pair of industrial doors, he sees it. The lifeboat. Are you ready? Yeah, this is going to be cool. This is like... We've been building this the whole game, guys. I think it's going to be really boring. This is going to be cool. No, are you kidding me, Chase? This is going to be like Star Wars level. That's it. It's a bunker. Sealed off and protected by Cronon dampeners. Protection from the end of time. Is it just a room? It's just a room. So wait, Fiona's got... No wonder she was crying in the car. All she's got looked forward to (laughs) is a a, a potential eternity in a room with your creepiest stalker. Yeah. (laughs) Tiny bunks are laid on top of each other. It's impressive. And do you know what it looks like? Do you know exactly what this looks like? The kind of thing a low-budget TV show could afford. <laughs> but will it really do the job, guys? I mean, do we see the lifeboat in the game as well? No, we do not. I was going to say, like, did, did they need to match the game to this? Yeah. Yeah. No, it looks hashed together at short notice. Uh, streams of people follow behind him. Oh God, it's just a concrete warehouse somewhere where they put like, some screens in. You, you don't see this in any of the shots, but there is a table. It's got it's got a, a little teapot with some coffee in it. Oh, wonderful. Like a metal jug with some coffee and some plastic coffee cups. So you Beautiful. can you can make yourself a coffee. I hope they don't This want... is dog shit. I like, I like, I like um, end, end of the world. Hold on, end of the world. You know, might need to be in there for a while. Single-use coffee cups. <laughs> doesn't matter if they're gonna run out you know washable mugs psh. oh are you kidding by the time a year passes and the doors reopen you've no idea the debauchery that happened in that place in that room 
so anyway, um, so yeah, this is the, the here they come, all the monarch researchers. They've they've made it to the bunker. They made it to the lifeboat. Uh, isn't this cool? We've we've good good reveal. So um, streams of people follow. Good, good reveal. Uh, the lifeboat fills with half-dressed scientists, doctors, experts, and Fiona for some reason. For um, anyone that watched, I'm going back to uh, shows from our childhood. For anyone that watched the kind of 2006-07 show Primeval on ITV, Mm -hmm, which was, mm -hmm. interestingly, Primeval was ITV's response to the resurgence of Doctor Who in 2005. They wanted to create a competing primetime family uh, drama sci-fi show. This looks like a set from 2006 Primeval. That's very fair. Yeah. The yeah. kind of thing ITV could afford. Come on, Microsoft. Oh, don't, 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 don't knock it. Look, the shaky cam adds a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. And the Nissons they have in here. Okay. <laughs> our, our, our fan base, uh, most of whom are based in America, there is currently one very excited guy who knows both Bernard's Watch <laughs> and Time Evil. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so, so the lifeboat fills up with half-dressed scientists, doctors, experts, Fiona, and Fiona goes straight to Charlie, and she's like, Jack Joyce, he's on his way here, the countermeasure, the CFR, he's coming to get it. He Why does she know the countermeasure is the CFR? Don't know. Uh, he thinks he can stop They've just stopped caring at this point. <laughs> um, so yeah. I. Uh, it's important to note as well, yeah, like, by this point, the CFR and the countermeasure have been referenced as almost like two different things. It's meant to be a bit of like a twist reveal. They're like, oh, they're the same thing. But yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, nobody's talked about it. I no, it's just a thing. Just Monarch calls it the CFR and our our team call it the countermeasure. Marketing gave it a name. Yeah. Mar- marketing looked at it when they were making the graphic like, we can't put countermeasure on this graphic. So, so everyone's starting to come into the life yeah. raft now, are they? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so anyway, the, so there's uh, not even a sofa. It's just an uncomfortable looking <laughs> metal bench. Which I'd like put to in know, a goddamn like, chair. Isn't even a solid metal bench. Look at all the holes in it. Yeah. You can fit three people on that. Does everyone else sit in the goddamn floor? <laughs> What's the? <laughs> yeah. This is bad looking. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's. Uh... We're having fun though. Yeah. Yeah. So Fiona's like, uh, "Oh, J- Jack Joyce is coming. CFR. He's coming to get it. He thinks he can stop the end of time." And Charlie's like, "The CFR is what's powering this place, Fiona. If he gets it, the lifeboat is gone." And Fiona's like, "Screw the lifeboat. This is Monarch. They got us into this. What makes you think any of them could get you out?" Mm-hmm. Charlie is silent and then gives a big long sigh and is like, "Why don't you let someone else be the hero? Okay, tough chick." And he leaves. She is. She's letting Jack be the hero. Yeah. No, but remember, somebody needs to go out to help Jack. They need to leave the lifeboat. Some of the so Charlie's like, I'll go. A tough chick. Some of the writing in this feels like it was just done by somebody's dad <laughs> who, who likes 80s movies but has never written anything before. I don't know the problem is with that line. <laughs> <laughs> Let someone else be the hero. Okay? Tough, tough chick. You guys don't call your loved ones tough chick? Mm. I call the noobs tough chick all the time. Every <laughs> night. <laughs> Charlie, so Charlie leaves. He's like, I need to go help Jack. I'll t- I'll take one for the team. You know, I'm going to self-sacrifice myself. Um, Charlie is. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to go away. That was a check. quick turnaround. He's going to hack the CFR. Mm. Yeah. Um, and as he leaves, um, Fiona calls after him. And she goes, hey, Charlie, you're an okay date. Charlie smiles. This wasn't earned, this moment. This wasn't <laughs> nope. earned at all. Oh, poor Charlie. At the same time, uh, Burke and Emily make it to Monarch. They walk almost... Oh, sorry, there you go. There's the K-Tough Chick moment. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they make it to Monarch, uh, and they almost walk right into Charlie, who's racing toward the elevator on his way to the CFR chamber. 
Burke immediately just like pulls out his gun. He's like, get on the ground! <laughs> he's had it with Charlie. And he's like, three times you screwed me over, Charlie. I won't let you do it again. You said you could get us on that list for the lifeboat. So we're going to go straight to your office and you're going to get Emily and me onto the lifeboat. And Charlie responds, it's a glorified basement. Joyce is our only hope. We help him, he fixes the fracture, save the world, and we all go home happy. So maybe the show knows that lifeboat is shit. It would be really funny. It's also just a bit lame. It would be really funny if Burke hadn't given Charlie a moment to explain himself there. Charlie's on his way to his hero moment and Burke <laughs> shot him in the head as soon as he saw him. So yeah, he's like, look, you need to come with me to see a far chamber. We're not going back to lifeboat. Lifeboat sucks. Um, you know, we save the world, we all go home happy. And Burke is like, I want to hit you, Charlie. I'm going to do it. And that's what Paul Serene's voice sounds out on the speakers, addressing the monarch employees, addressing the people on the lifeboat. My friends, he says, popping up on a little screen so they can all see him. He's all pale and sweaty and like looks horrible. Our war is underway, and the time has come to fight for our place in this existence. My enemies, some have shown their faces. Others are still out there, and I think of all of you. I trusted you, and that trust has been broken. You have all betrayed me, assured my downfall, and now I will assure yours. He cuts the feet. Burke is like, yeah, okay, fine, let's go. (laughs) Well, let's just go to the CFR chamber then. Lifeboat, I'm not dealing with whatever that is. Uh, so Burke, Charlie, and Emily head up to the CFR chamber. Charlie starts preparing a route for Jack for when he finally arrives. Unlocking doors, getting rid of passwords, etc. But someone is waiting for them. Martin Hatch steps out of the darkness and calmly puts a gun to Emily's head. No, Dro- cat lady! <laughs> Drop it, Hatch says slowly, indicating to Burke's gun. Burke drops it. Hatch shoots Burke in the chest. Inches, oh. inches below his heart. Again, this time in the back. Liam goes into shock, shivering, dying on the floor. Emily leans down, trying to put pressure on the wood. I'm sorry, he gasps to her. My sweet cat bear. And Liam Burke dies. Oh, okay. They were going to have kittens. (laughs) (laughs) Or cubs. What I will tell you right now is if you picked for um, if you picked for Paul Serene to have control, uh, Liam Burke would go on to survive this encounter and he would become a boss fight. It's not a boss fight. Oh. He is just a man with a gun. You kill him in like two hits. Well, Jack just shoots Jack him just dead. shoots him dead. Why? 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 Uh, just cause. Well, you, you had to fight. Do you know what? Burke, it would have been great. It would have been great if they had bothered after that initial meeting and after the kind of like you said this kind of building up of him as a kind of dark yeah. Jack. If they had built up any kind of relationship between they've not built him up as a dark jack they've built him up as just a random dude a guy who works who has been in the TV show port the only reason I call him dark jack is because he looks a little bit like him that's Mm. it yeah um, but yeah, uh, so there you go. Uh, but anyway, so Char- he's, he's dead. Leanberg's dead. No matter which choice you pick, he dies. I don't, I don't hatch. With that. Yeah, right. I'm fine with that. Fine. So, uh, so yeah, so so Burke dies. Emily's like over his body, like trying to keep him alive, but he's dead. And then she's just like hugging his corpse. Um, hatch approaches Charlie and he's like, "Open the chamber." And Charlie's like, he closes his eyes for a second. He finds the resolve and he says, "I can't do that." Finally, this is his hero moment. Hatch puts the gun to Charlie's head. Understand this, Charlie, he says. This world is about to end. But one world's end is merely another's beginning, and my world will be renewal. My world will see balance. With the gun to his head, Charlie opens the CFR chamber. Hatch goes to retrieve the countermeasure. 
places his hand on either side, and as he does, Charlie activates the defence mechanism. The chamber fills with light. A small chronon field surrounds Hatch. We see his body start to fracture, tear apart. His eyes widen, and then, he's gone. Charlie stands up, starts to laugh, relieved. And then from behind him, Hatch appears. <laughs> Let's try this again, he growls. He grabs Charlie by the throat, throws him across the room, and then, bang, a gunshot. Bang again. Emily fires a second shot. She pulled the gun from Liam's corpse. Two bullets bounce off of Hatch's chest. What? He doesn't smile, just business. And then she raises the gun and fires a third time. The bullet whizzes through the air, through Hatch's eye. He drops to the floor, dead. We cut to black. Wait, and so then the he first, shows up again. So the first two bounce off his chest, the third one blows his head apart. Two bullets hit him in the chest, didn't hurt him. Another one went through his eye, killed him. Achilles eyeball. Potentially killed well, him. We don't know. Oh, well, he had the drops in his eye. Maybe... What I will say... Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. So anyway, uh, gameplay. Uh, so part five, I'll come back for you. Final, final bit. This is the end of the game. Jack races towards the front entrance of Monarch Solutions, and as he reaches the door, a stutter, a subway, glitches into reality and flies straight into the front entrance of the building. So that's Time a subway stops. that what used to be there and now isn't? And I have that's no idea. At this point... Uh, Space, space as well. Space is gone as well. Space and time, yeah, it's all a mess. Um, and look, it makes sense. With space and time starting to break down and rules start to change, I don't know, something like this. Yeah, whatever. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, at this point, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> um, time stops as it fuses with the wall. Uh, he makes the most of his opportunity. Charlie guides him up through each level of the building. He fights to the top, fights to get to the CFR chamber, fights every guard that's unlucky to cross his path. There's a lot of gameplay, I'm skipping by it. He's fueled by a vendetta, by revenge. Paul didn't just take one person from him, now he took two. Beth and Charlie. Uh, 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 Beth and Will. But <laughs> to say, I don't think he cares about Charlie. He care about Charlie. Nah. As he reaches the... And Charlie's still alive, anyway. As he reaches the upper levels of Monarch Solutions, he hears... Screaming. Screaming from Monarch Security? True, terrified screaming. The most scared we've heard anyone the entire game. Pain shouts, horrified roars. Something is hurting the guards. Eventually, Jack finds out what that something is. A corridor is littered with bodies of guards, torn apart to the molecular level, frozen in midair, stuttering in a state of death and undeath, reliving their deaths over and over again. Jack doesn't understand, but suddenly, a shadow, an angular, glitching creature dashes towards him. He screams, falls to the ground, the creature looms over him, drinks him in for a second, and then dashes away. Gone. So we do get checkers. I mean, you never fight it. This is all cutscene. Great. Only Who do we think well. this is? I mean, my immediate thought is, it, 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 look, it could either be Paul or Hatch. I think more likely is Hatch, because Hatch has just been shown to be sent through time a minute ago, whereas we've not seen that from Paul yet, kind of randomly sent through time. Mm. However, Paul is the one who's losing his mind and becoming more violent, so it could be either of them. Journeying on, he finds something Jack, else. For God's sake, he finds a letter. And the writing is strange and interesting, so it's the only collectible in the game that I am going to read to you verbatim, because it is potentially important for future stuff too. So, I have walked down the same path you are now on. Once, from your perspective, a long time ago, although time no longer has such meaning to me, I too came in contact with a time machine. In my case, it was not a man-made device, but a natural one, in a cave. It should come as no surprise, really, that such things exist. 
I too developed Cronon syndrome. I too lost control and became a shifter. Because at once, everything and nothing was everywhere and nowhere. I died countless deaths and was still alive. My every probability, every possibility happening all at once. The noise and pain and rage were more than anyone could suffer and not go insane. I burned in this fire for a long time. There were brief moments of awareness in this endless nightmare, different versions of key moments in my life that I relived over and over again, on and on and on. I am convinced that the stutters and the end of time saved me. For those were the only places, the only times where I could even briefly stop and rest and slowly find focus and control again, and ultimately master this state. I've learned to be in one place and everywhere all at once. Am I an exception? The only one who has found his way to the other side? Or is this a shifter's brief dream before a stutter collapses? There are other shifters, yes. Your best friend, who's now your mortal enemy. Dr. Kim. Others. Some of whom you know. It doesn't matter who, because they're gone. And when they emerge, if they ever emerge, they will not be who they were, just as I am not who I was before. If time is an ocean with a frozen surface, then the stutters and the end of time are holes in that ice. Opportunities to come up for the air. Time's not a lake. Time's an ocean. (laughs) (laughs) I'd also like to say, the the end of time is the only place he found control. I found it on Steam. (laughs) 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 Ha ha, I'm so funny. That was quite good. 10 out of 10 for (laughs) that. Yeah, yeah, no notes. I I do like that both games are referenced in this one speech. I don't think intentionally, but they're both there. Maybe intentionally. Monty, continue. If time is an ocean with a frozen surface and the stutters, the end of time are holes in that ice. Opportunities to come up for air. Know this, Paul. I do not look down on you, even though I oppose you. I strive for humility, even as I shift this world from one state to another. I stand in between. I don't see myself as a gate. I remain humble. I'm something smaller. A hatch. Oh, that's good. No, I so was he that. always called Hatch before and was just luckily that was a good name oh, to... What's the, what's the deal with Martin Hatch, man? Was he a shifter the whole... Uh, yes. By the way, the yes, assumption is yes. By the way you said that, do we never get an explanation? Let me tell you this. In the other version of this end, the TV episode ending, you know how he gets shot in the eye? Yeah. Uh, in the other one, he gets stabbed in the other eye. Okay. Which means, explains the, the, the eye drops, right? It's the idea that Martin Hatch can't die because he's a shifter, but that's like particular pain. Maybe maybe other ways he's died, maybe like getting shot in the chest or something. Maybe he takes painkillers because he's got a dull ache there all the time. Yeah. But he always feels the pain in his eyes because he always dies at that moment. And so he has to constantly keep them refreshed, is the idea. Martin Hatch exists at all places, at all times, all at once. That's what he says. Years God. before he became a shifter. Okay. But because, because time is like rumbling away right now, and because of this, this period of 11 years where the time machine has caused stutters and, and all this nonsense, he's able to find form. Do we ever find anything like more about his plan? No, For example, why he let Paul run the company when he's clearly more qualified to do time stuff. No, he was happy, I think, just for Paul to like sort himself out, and he was just like Iagoing him the whole way, just undermining him. <laughs> right, okay. You know? Uh, he wanted the end of time to happen because it's when he felt like good and he wanted to make a world where shifters could just roam free and expand themselves into the cosmos almost. So he wants the end of time to happen. Oh, 100% because he can... Why why, why, Why didn't he just kill Ball or like... 
Because he knows that Paul isn't really the problem. I would also like to put out there that now, at a Remedyverse level, we have a magic lake mm. and a magic cave. Yeah. We'll talk about it in a minute. So let's keep going. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's focus on Quantum Break for now. So Jack gets to Paul's office. He sees the whiteboard and the post-its documented from 1999 up to 2021. He also sees that the board for 2022 is blank. Paul didn't see that far ahead. Paul calls him. My office alarm went off. Paul's voice sounds down the phone. Is that you skulking around, Jack? Jack's like, screw you, done playing games, gonna get the CFR, and then I'm gonna come for you and I'm gonna kill you. And Paul is like, I know, everything will play out exactly how it will play out. I'm at the swimming hall. See you soon, Jack. And hangs up. So, uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, Jack eventually arrives at the CFR chamber. The countermeasure is waiting for him, but so is Charlie Wincott. And he's like, you're Jack Joyce, he says, in the flesh. Oh my god, um, we get to see video game Charlie. Uh, we do. It didn't, well, no, you don't, because uh, Charlie's in, like, an outfit. He's in, like, a hazmat suit for, oh, right. I don't know, reasons. They just couldn't animate him, I guess. So they didn't know. have to pay for him to be mo-capped? Maybe they hadn't picked the actor yet when they mm. made the game. Um, so, yeah, Charlie says nothing of use. It doesn't matter. He leaves. Whatever. Jack places his hand on the countermeasure. He thinks of how Will and Beth died for such a little thing. He pockets it, and then something catches his eye. A screen in the corner of the room, a live feed, showing the time machine that Monarch stole from the university at the start of the game, the one we activated at the very beginning. There's a time machine inside Monarch headquarters. Jack knows immediately what he needs to do. He descends into the chamber below, types in a date, steps into the corridor, and he goes back in time. Do you need to press all the buttons again? No, you don't, thankfully. Oh, uh, you know, you need to, it's like a horde mode, you have to hold off some grunts while it like powers up. Right. It's crap. Uh, but anyway, so you get there. Um, he goes back in time to the day it all started. He sees his past self and Will racing out of the lab at the university. The monarch guards try to pursue, but we take them down before they can cause much fuss. Jack realises that he could do what the others couldn't. He couldn't do all of this. He can change things, guys. He can. Why? No, because he can. He's Why? Because de- he decided he can. Because who cares? Because he's learned literally nothing over the course of four episodes. <laughs> um, because he's so dumb, he refuses to accept the fact that that can't be changed. I think I said in my critique, he's too dumb for a character arc. I stand by it. Um, so there you go. Uh, Jack Joyce. So he's here he to try and save the day. And so he doesn't need to follow. No, is he the only one that can change time? No, no, no. So it's not that he realizes. It's just what he thinks. <laughs> That's important. This isn't a new rule. Jack's just still convinced he can change everything. So particularly, he's convinced that he can save Will's life. So he raises a little hell, he blasts the university, enters the library from the back, hoping to intercept his bass self and Will before they get there. It's important to note that you did call this, I think I noted it down earlier. You said when we were running from the university the first time, they were distracted by something, and you're like, he's distracted by his future self. Exactly what that is. Yeah, they're distracted by future Jack raising a little hell. So, all that's good and fun. That's all cute. It's all fun. Anyway, he gets to Will. Uh, he gets to the library, and Paul's like, oh my god, I'm gonna, he's going to shoot him. You know, as, as we get there, we hear Paul's uh, voice say, trigger. Um, you know, all this from the beginning. The explosions begin. Jack watches from behind as the roof begins to crumble on top of Will. He came all this way just to watch his brother die for a second time. What a bloody waste. Or did he? Because Jack dashes to Will, slows time down, grabs his brother before the rubble falls on top of him. He slows time to a crawl and pushes Will out of the window, following as one final explosion follows. I don't think this is a change. 
No, I don't think Will ever died. Yeah, it's no, not. 100%. The game's about to explain that. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So, Will is like, what is happening? How did you get inside? You were there a minute ago. You saved me. Amazing. And Jack smiles and he's like, I got you a present. And he hands Will the countermeasure. There's something about you. And then Will immediately clocks what's happening. And he's like, you're for the future. You're future, Jack. Cool. Um, and Jack's like, I cool. am. Yeah. He's like, sick. No problem. I mean, look, this guy knows time travel. It's fine. Um, so he's like, oh, amazing, cool, no problem, future Jack. And Jack's like, I am future he's Jack. He's already met future Beth by this point, to be fair. That's a good point. Um, so yeah, and Jack's like, I am future Jack, but there's no time for all that. Does your countermeasure work? And how does it work? Because I don't know what to do with this. I know it's supposed to help, but in my time, I don't have a clue what to do with it. Um, so yeah, and Will's like, in theory, yes, but we need to get back to the time where you came from. My time machine. We need to get back to my time machine in your time. We get there and Jack's like, no, 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 no. We stop the fracture here in this time. Now, too much has happened in my time. We need to undo it. He's thinking of Beth's death. He's thinking of Will, you know, get, get, get everything sorted, particularly Beth. He's focused on saving Beth's life. But Will joins the long line of people who try to make Jack understand... <laughs> How time travel works. He goes, he looks at him in the eye and he sits him down and he goes, if thing happen, thing happens. Egg, egg. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, so yeah, literally he's, he's like, oh God, okay, look, this is how it works. So he's like, the fracture wasn't fixed in the time you came from. So fixing it here, it's always going to fail. Time is a loop. You can't undo anything. Right? So that makes sense. That actually explains exactly what, what your question was, Chase. We can't fix it now because it always happens. We need to get to that point and then fix it. So, yeah, he's like, not yet, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Jack's like, well, I saved you, so I did change something, you dick. And Will's like, you always saved me, you dick. You never physically saw me die, did you? The past is set, but the future isn't. Remember, time is an egg. And Jack is like, no egg metaphors. And then the two of them journey on straight towards the time machine. Does he actually say time is an egg? Yes, again? he does. Yeah, Why? Because it's an egg Jesus. joke. Yeah, it's just an egg joke. So yeah, uh, and Jack is like, no egg One metaphors. Those classic egg jokes. Classic. You know, like we've been told our whole life. I can probably so, think of some. So um, we, we we get there, and uh, so so they're on their way to the time machine. They're going, look at them go, bro brothers in arms. But but not before Jack is faced with a cruel, painful reminder of what was lost in his journey back to Will, Beth Wilder. Time freezes, a stutter, and he sees her. He reaches out, planning to touch her, to unfreeze her, to warn her of her death, to try and change the future. But something Will said must have finally sunk him. It seems like he finally gets it. A tear rolls down his cheek. He leans in and whispers something in her ear and then leaves her. We don't hear what he whispers. Egg. <laughs> <laughs> so he cuts in. I had a dream you were a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So uh, anyway, so we cut ahead. Uh, to the swimming hall. Jack and Will set up the time machine, set the date to 2016. They get back to present. Hooray. End of game time. Oh, so past Will goes with him. Uh, yes. Okay. Which also explains where Will went when over the, the course of the game, play? right? He was, in the, he was always in the future. End? Does it end with a TV show or does it end on gameplay? Ends on gameplay. We're at the end now. Okay, yeah. Yeah, this is it. Guys, we're about to enter the final boss fight. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so, so, so they get there. They're ready to save the world. But Paul Serene, of course, is waiting. He said he was at the swimming hall. He's at the swimming hall. I don't know how Will managed to get here, but forget him. Give me the CFR. We're at the end of the road. For what? Jack laughs maniacally. The lifeboat protocol? A bunch of desperate people sitting underground somewhere hoping to ride this out? He readies his gun. It's over, Paul. And that is when the Cronon Syndrome takes hold. 
Paul writhes in pain. Flashes of white and red light burst from tiny corners of him. He's still under control for now, but he's dangerous. Cue Paul Serene boss fight. It's crap. You're mainly fighting monarch goons while occasionally shooting oh, Paul. It's though it breaks every r- good rule of, of a decent boss fight. It is pure shit. Uh, he gets a one-hit kill that you have to stop him with. It's crap. Out of curiosity, yeah. is it ever explained why the end of time is seemingly happening five no. years early? No. Oh, what? No, there are theories. There, are, no, no. But to be fair to the game, uh, it's kind of one of the leading questions it ends with, with for a sequel bait. Um, oh, right. It's, it's okay. kind of important. Like, so is it, is it meant to be? Was this actually the end of time, or did they just think? Good question. We can talk about it now. Yeah, we don't know. Paul saw that the end of time was twenty twenty. So why is it happening twenty sixteen? Can we change things? Uh, but no, we, also, we can't change things. We can't That's change the thesis things. of the game. That's what it's exactly. Like. We've had every every piece of evidence has told us that we cannot change things. So did we in fact change things to cause the end of time to happen early? No. Was this ever the end of time? Did, did, was it just a bunch of idiots misinterpreting a few stutters and thinking this is the end of time? Maybe the end. Maybe the end of time was a five year process. You know, stars started now, but the end of time didn't happen for five years yet. It was a slow, bubbling, build-up, growing process. And everybody panicked and thought it happened early. Yeah, maybe. Um, It's all stuff that clearly they were planning to talk about in a sequel, but a sequel has not and will not be made, to my knowledge. Mm. But regardless, so we fight Paul. It ends with Jack launching himself through the air and cracking Paul in the jaw. Paul hits the deck. Another seizure from the Cronon Syndrome. He's done. He's dying. He's transforming? He's... Jack punches him again. Paul flies through the air, cracks his head on the tiles, and dies. And he dies in stasis. The blood freezes around him because he's, you know, tiny man. I like how in keeping with the TV show... They also made his blood look like thick slime. Yeah, nice of them. Nice nice of them to keep that touch in. (laughs) Who needs realistic blood even in your game? So Will looks at Paul's deceased corpse. His mouth like slowly opens. He hasn't seen someone die before. Uh, And then it's like, never mind, we've got work to do. So uh, he goes straight to the time machine, installs a countermeasure, starts turning dials and gizmos. Um, The time machine is like an amplifier, he says. It'll cause a chain reaction and rejuvenate the field. It'll be a universal event. It'll stitch time back together, but it'll need a jump start. And Jack nods. He reaches out, charges the countermeasure with a blast of chronon energy. And he's like, ah! It feels like I'm pushing against the entire goddamn universe! And behind him, we see Paul. Or the creature formerly known as Paul. He's nothing but a jagged edge and flashes of time. He's a shifter. He's, con- he's, he's completed his transformation. He screams and leaps at Jack and Will. And just as it looks like he'll collide to the two brothers, the countermeasure explodes. It works. The clocks keep ticking. Where's Paul? Will asks. His body is gone. It doesn't matter, Jack says. Don't you see, Will? He was wrong about everything. We stopped the end of time. It it didn't happen. We changed the future. I did it. I changed something. Woo! And uh, a look of concern crosses Will's face and he's like, did we? And so, end of the game. Final scene. We jump ahead a few days to the interview room where we started. Paul, not Paul, even I'm confused by his point, it seems. Jack sits opposite the head of Monarch Security, Clarice O'Gala. Why? Because he came here for an interview with Monarch. Why? It's a good question. It is legitimately a good question. I know why he was asked here. How the, how the hell is Monarch still idea. in operation? I'll tell you in a sec. Jack sits opposite the head of Monarch Security, Clarice O'Gawa, and she says, 
Paul Serene's entire philosophy was that there was one set path and nothing could be changed. At the time, you obviously disagreed. But after everything you've seen and done, we need to know, what do you believe now? Is it possible to change things, Jack? And Jack looks at her and he thinks of his answer. And he thinks of Beth. He thinks of seeing her when he went back to save Will. He thinks of what he whispered in her ear. I'll come back for you, he said to her. Mm. There's a post-credit scene. Want to see it? Yeah. yeah. So the interview comes to an end. Uh, this is after the credits. That that shot of him saying, I'll come back for you, that's the last thing he ever says, and then the credits roll. Clarice Ogawa walks out of the room, shooting Jack in the head. <laughs> She's the protagonist of Quantum Break 2. So uh, the interview comes to an end, and Clarice is like, you'd be very forthright, thank you for coming in, for setting the record straight, and for being so patient. And Jack is like, yeah, well, my patience is starting to wear thin, why did you really bring me here? And Clarice ushers him out of the interview room. She's like, right this way, he's waiting for you. And Jack exits through the door to see Martin Hatch. Mr. Joyce, he says. Paul Serene always danced to his own tune. He and his delusions did tremendous damage to this company, to the city. But things can still be salvaged. We could use a man like you, a man with your talents. I'd like to offer you a job. Jack shakes his head. It's not the same company you knew, Mr. Joyce, Hatch continues. And we both know it's only a matter of time before you have certain needs, just as Paul did, Cronon Syndrome. Needs that only our company can offer. His voice fades away. Jack's eye grows distant. He sees something. Something strange. A vision. A junction. Just as Paul saw, two futures. On one side, a future where he turns down Hatch's offer. And on the right, a future where he agrees to work for him. And we cut to black. And Quantum Break finishes. Mm. I thought it was really cool... But the execution, especially in those last two chapters, was deeply frustrating. Yeah, really frustrating. Yeah. Like I'm not—I I, I don't want to say bad, but frustrating. Is the I right like word. the ending with you know the reveal that he, you know, despite everything he learned, he wanted to go back for Beth because Beth's the best character in the game. Um, I'm finding it hard to take Hatch away from scratch in my mind. That's fair. They are not they the same are, person. Get, no, no, I know that, but they have a yeah. similar sort of uh, similar sort of purpose, I guess. Mm-hmm. But do we have any explanation as to why Hatch, of all the shifters, is able to maintain physical form and seemingly be just like a rational human being? No, Hatch is an enigma, an enigma that clearly they intended to explain more of um, in Quantum Break Two, uh, but no, total enigma. What I will say is that he may become important next time. But before we get to next time... Next time is in Control or Alan Wake 2? Next time. Next time. But what I'll say is we're not done. Next time. We're not done. Part 6. Wait, but I thought we're done. But we're not done. So part 6. Right, what what about that grumpy writer Alan Wake? (laughs) He's at the bottom of the the lake ocean. So... Type right away. Okay, so when I said that you should forget about Alan Wake, that wasn't entirely true. Uh, I've got some stuff to show Why? you. Why? Uh, because I've got some stuff to show you. So uh, this is the first. At the university, at the start of the game, we see a live action trailer for a TV show. We see a black pool of water. We hear Alan's fateful words. It's not a lake. It's an ocean. 
We see two FBI agents. One, a blonde agent we haven't seen before, and the other, Sam Lake. They stare at a pinboard with pictures from Bright Falls. Uh, We see a picture of Alice, Carl Stuckey, shots of Bright Falls Woods, sketches of the torch graffiti left behind by Cynthia Weaver, the lamp lady. We see Alex Casey fiddling with the clicker. They're investigating his disappearance. We see a shot of them out in Bright Falls Woods, interspliced with a man who looks oddly familiar. He approaches Sam Lake and we hear a distant scream. We see the blonde agent put a picture on a pinboard, a smirking, scowling picture of Sam Lake with Alex Casey written under it. This is the Max Payne look that he's doing here. Um, One, two, one. We see Alan Wake in that same investigation room, dressed in his American nightmare clothes, looking at their investigation. We see a shot of Mr. Scratch laughing, baring his teeth, a bloodied knife in his hand. We see this is a trailer for something called Return. We also find a chalkboard in the university. It seems like the lecturer is teaching their students about Alan Wake. You'll see stuff here, Old Scratch, The Devil, uh, you know, Duality, Psychological Urban Reason, He is Mad, Dark Place, Dark Reflection, Old Norse, Scratty, Demon, you know, is just a bunch of information here about Alan Wake. Almost as if a lecturer has tried to like teach the thematic themes of the, the themes of the game to a class. We also see uh, a copy of the Sun Stop, Alan Wake's book. This is Liam Burke's living room from the TV show, and we see a copy of Sun Stop just sitting there. Um, we also see that a monarch employee is playing the goddamn Alan Wake video game. For God's sake! <laughs> we also find. An episode of Night Springs. Wait, 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 wait. So the Alwick video game is canon in the universe. Do not get me started. Because, yeah, let me finish off all of these and then we'll Listen, talk about all of this. Sam, a... Sam Lake is in about three different places in this universe yeah. in canon. So, uh, yeah, we also find an episode of Night Springs. Oh. Uh, the TV things that you can watch in Alan Wake. Um, but it's not really an episode. It's not a proper episode. It's a joke episode. In it, the Night Springs narrator, the guy that spoke like an American narrator, is like, a time where you find a woman that you love. Twilight and also like, the Twilight Zone style. He's uh, He's gone missing. And they are holding open auditions for people to replace him. Um, it's a cute chance for the devs uh, to basically make a wee cameo. They come in and go like, I'm here to audition for Night Springs. Ah, ah, ah. Like they do silly impersonations. It's fun. But Night Springs exists in the Quantum Break universe. Um, but the question does need to be asked like, does Quantum Break therefore exist in Alan Wake's universe? I don't know, because technically the video game exists in this universe. So, I don't know, man. But also, like, there's a whole thing here about the themes of, like, is, is Alan Wake real? Is this a story? But also, Return exists. God, which might sake. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> what I will tell you, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing, and here's the important thing. It doesn't matter, right? It's fun. But it is going to matter. Maybe. Uh, Return, I think, is important. Mainly that, I think, is important. Uh, Listeners, uh, we've put up the picture of uh, Sam Lake, uh, who's done the Max Payne look with Alex Casey written underneath. Is this a Max Payne is, in fact, going to be Alex Casey situation? Don't know. Uh, The name of it being Return is important because we know that's what Alan is writing right now. He wrote Departure for Alan Wake 1, and then he's writing Return, which is the American Nightmare script. This, all of his attempts to escape. 
so I don't know. Uh, but also it's important to note that Quantum Break, Microsoft own the rights to Quantum Break. So, but but Remedy don't. And now they're independent. So they can't really do Quantum Break 2 unless it's going to be Microsoft only. And they said they're not going to do that anymore because it's not financially viable for them because they're an independent studio now. So could they afford to buy the rights? Well, they bought the rights of Alan Wake back from Microsoft. That's the only reason they're able to make Alan Wake 2. So I don't know. Maybe they'll do it. We'll get to this when we talk about our next game, but maybe they'll be able to do it by doing some fun little, oh, it's just different enough that everyone knows exactly what it is, but we can get away with it legally things, maybe. Um, Surely not. I don't know. But yeah, so there's some Alan Wake in here. Wow. Goodness. I kind of hoped you guys would have more insights, because I don't. I, what do you want? Howard, we've never you played this game, sir. What do you want me to say? What like, insights would you Yes, like? this is meta and confusing. What does this mean? To be fair. This is meant to be purely, like, mad and confusing. and, and I think so. To be fair, if they bought back the rights of Alan Wake off the back of Control Success, they will almost certainly buy back the rights to this off the back of... Because surely Alan Wake's rights would have been more expensive than Quantum Break. Arguably, yes. Uh, at the time, I don't know. Because at the time, Alan Wake was a kind of dead franchise, whereas, like, Quantum Break had been a big launch title for the current console at the time. But it was also Good TV, point. TV, TV, which Microsoft doesn't care about anymore. Correct, yeah. Are we, are we through our bonus content? I've covered absolutely everything there is to cover about Quantum Break. What I will say is, Sean Ashmore as I mentioned at the start, has been on Twitter. Apparently he met Sam Lake in like LA or something recently. He's been tweeting about hashtag Quantum Break 2 quite a lot recently. Right. Maybe the guy just had a drink one night and thought it'd be a giggle. But yeah. Sam Lake was retweeting those tweets. It, like they've met. So maybe, maybe unbeknownst to us, they've managed to buy the rights back. Is, maybe it, this will become important again. Despite how sloppy and not great a lot of it was, I am potentially curious about Martin Hatch is really all I care about. And, and Beth. I, I would love yeah. it if we could like get Beth back. Hell, give me a game. And I want the answer about the end of time. When does that happen? Yeah. Um. So, so God knows. Absolutely God knows. But you're absolutely right. We're very much at the end of Quantum Break. I have very little else to say other than we're all confused, myself included. Mm. And I know what's coming. And I'm. this still confuses me. Arguably, I don't need to cover Quantum Break if we're looking at Remedyverse stuff because it might not be relevant anymore. But I kind of wanted to because no, no, Alan Wake stuff's in it. Yeah, 100%. And it's also mental. Yeah. I'm wondering because I'm, I'm sat here scrolling Sam Wake's Twitter on the side yeah. where three days ago um, he retweeted a Remedy thing about Quantum Break coming back to Games Pass saying yes. it's not the end of time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I wish I had more to say about this because there's so much interesting stuff that happens, but I feel like I've not got much to add at this point. I think it's one of these ones that, like, if there is a Quantum Break 2 one day, I think we're going to be chewing through a lot of it. Yeah. But for now, this is a fairly self-contained story with an ending, a bit of sequel tease, and a weird Alan Wake thing. And again, you could argue that perhaps Quantum Break is just one of Alan's many failed attempts to break out. Mm. It's kind of how I'm choosing to read it until we have confirmation that it's canon. Uh, because what I will tell you, categorically, guys, Quantum Break is not the same universe as Control. Okay. I know that for a fact, and soon you will too. Excellent. But Control is categorically the same universe as Alan Wake. Yes. Now that is interesting. Um, what's, can... what's our next episode? Oh, well, let me play you a quick tease. <laughs> Did you miss me? Did you have peace in your song? Oh man, I can't wait to do game covered by quick tease. 
that was, I, I feel certainly teased. Yes, I I hope so, and and I hope you all did too, and I hope that you like and subscribe and push the little bell so that we pop up in the thing. If you if you if you do it, maybe we can get Nissans. No, you've noticed you've noticed that this is probably our twentieth episode or however many it's been. Is it actually? No, I don't know exactly. Oh, okay. We've done a few after however many we did for Kingdom Hearts. Probably we did five hundred for Kingdom Hearts, and. We uh, and and we've been very bad at asking people to like and subscribe, and we've been told we should do that. So, yes, so. and anything I got wrong or missed, please do drop it in the comments below. Like we we read them. Uh, we talked about it earlier at the start, um, and they they are very useful because I'm not the arbiter. This show is never the arbiter of whatever game we're covering. To be clear, we're three um, adult juiced idiots yeah. in in a room. Quick shout out before we finish off. Friend of the channel, Gaming University, I know you're listening to this Gaming University, um, is, I would argue, the arbiter. I watch all of his videos before covering any Remedy stuff. Go subscribe to Gaming University if you want to look at theories, sincere, good explanations of, like, what the hell is going on. A lot of my interpretations come from his stuff. Sometimes I'll, I'll differ, but... Um, I, I would I would in a million years go to him before you come here. This is for silliness and for me to show these two silly games that we love. Um... But so yeah, so big shout out to Game University. Link is below. This has been Lordump, brought to you by Nissan. <laughs> <laughs> Later. <laughs>